All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to The Spoken. The Spoken. Why you have to bring that ball? I ain't saying nothing if it get took. Y'all want to see a dead body? Patriots are sending the rights to Rob Gronkowski along with a seventh-round draft pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a fourth-round draft pick. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell, good. Eddie Ortiz, who you will be seeing very shortly. Don't worry about that, guys. You will be hearing plenty of yo-yo-yos tonight. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be an awesome time. Episode 61. Uh, as you guys are fully aware, we have the NFL draft still going on. Uh, uh, round 2 is still going on as we speak, and the Chiefs are going to be picking very shortly. We will be touching on that. Um, we've also talked about a few things this week. And first of all, let me just say thank you guys all so much for uh, listening and, and, and watching over the last few weeks as we've decided to take this thing to the next level and join the Kansas City Podcast Network. We appreciate Gat and all the all the help and all the new content providers that have been a part of this with Fake Ned and Life's Okay, Gutter Sluts, all, Mad Marlin, all the guys, uh, Midwest Mikes. We can name all of them. But the point is this thing is really starting to take off, and we're very excited to be a part of this, and we hope that you guys enjoy the content that we do provide here at the Spoken Podcast on a weekly basis. Um, but I do want to tell you guys a little bit, of, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen on Facebook and Twitter that we've been posting, even on Instagram as well, uh, at the Spoken Pod and on the Spoken Podcast on Instagram. Uh, this last week, we decided to take some measures that we felt was necessary during this um, unprecedented time uh, for America and for the, the entire world for that matter. Uh, we decided to start a donation foundation uh, for COVID-19 relief. And if you are somebody that would like to partner up with us, we've already had incredible responses. I, I gave an update video on my personal Facebook account yesterday. I was really excited to share that. We've had tons of people already donate to it. We've had hundreds of dollars already come, come through, and we really do appreciate everyone that's helped to this point. But if you would like to partner up with us, if, you, if you'd like to do that, we are helping one family a month uh, during this tough time. And we are collecting donations. We're giving ourselves, and we're going we're gonna to collect whoever would like to join us in this um, this mission. And if you would like to help us with that, it's paypal.me slash the spoken podcast. And if you know somebody, maybe yourself or somebody out there that is struggling to make ends meet at this time with all the unemployment and all those things, we're, we're all fully aware of what's going on. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So if you could email us at the spoken podcast, 89 at gmail.com, we would greatly appreciate that. So thank you all so much again for helping us uh, through this and helping somebody out there. We can't help everyone. We are definitely going to help someone though. And we appreciate your help to help them. But let us begin. The phrase run it back and prove it deal has been used more times in Kansas City over the last month than a fake article regarding the 5G upgrade. But Kansas City now has a sister city echoing similar sentiments. And that's, and that's Tampa Bay. It's no longer considered breaking news that Tom Brady has taken the helm of the Buccaneers franchise. But on Tuesday, a familiar face and a longtime teammate of Brady's reemerged from a short-lived retirement, and that's one Robert Gronkowski, friend of the show. 
Both embarking on a journey neither have ever had to take on in their professional careers, and if we're being honest, they probably never anticipated. All would lead you to believe that this reunion in a different town and in a different team has all the makings of something special or what we would consider more of the same. One could almost assume that success will naturally follow both men that are now working in the same direction once again. One could assume that the Buccaneers, a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2007, yes, 2007, a year in which the flip-flown was still a thing and Gronk was only known by his family in the local pub, were on the way to changing their ways and all would be right in the state of Florida, except for the beaches, of course. But I've decided to push back, not only because I want to, but because someone needs to. Romanticizing is something us humans tend to do when it comes to a previous relationship. It's just a natural thing we do. Revisionist history is something that occurs when humans choose to remember things as we see fit. But the danger in both of this is that they're both severely misleading and inaccurate within the confines of reality. You see, both Brady and Gronk are romanticizing their previous reign in New England. Both Brady and Gronk are clearly victims of revisionist history because their actions tell us they still think they are what they were, together and individually. Look, I don't blame the Buccaneers one bit for making these acquisitions. Hell, if my team didn't make these, didn't make the playoffs for 13 straight years, I'd want to ensure my fan base that while we may lack what it requires to build a winning franchise and will continue to fail them, we're going to give them one hell of a show while doing so. Brady and Gronk are just that. A show. Yes, they were a great tandem at one time. They did win together. They had success. But if I've learned anything in this life, it's that time is fleeting. Things change so quickly, especially in a league like the NFL. The Patriots, and in particular Tom Brady, was able to battle off Father Time as long as he could. But until I see a one one in the L column of said Father Time, I'm going to continue to believe that neither Brady nor Gronk will be Papa Clock's first worthy opponent. Here are the facts. Gronk has missed 29 games since 2016 and hasn't played since February of 2019. Tom Brady is 43 and has been on a steady decline since the 2017 season. Bruce Arians is a good, but not great coach. And the Bucks roster is loaded with unproven players. Although we can agree that this has been something fun to see take shape, in some regard, you can make the case that we needed this during this time we're living in. But once what, what, what once was, is no longer. I fully believe and expect Brady and Gronk to buy in fully, to believe in themselves just like they always have and always will. It's just who they are and it's what's made them great. But there comes a time when the body can't react to the mind like it once did. And that's what's come for these two. I'm not saying that it's going to be a complete and utter failure. I'm simply saying that I don't buy it. Maybe I'm the only one. One factor I do know, and I don't care what either of these Hall of Famers say or don't say, this offseason 100% proves that neither of these men wanted anything to do with Belichick's lead Patriots any longer. 
Brady made it so obvious all offseason, and Gronk literally walked away until a better, more fun opportunity emerged. You can't tell me that's a coincidence. Just like you cannot tell me that they won't use their spite towards the dreary Belichick as the ultimate motivating factor in proving that they can win without him calling the shots. And on Belichick's side, he better hope that this doesn't work out for Brady and Gronk in Tampa Bay. He being, he being Bill already has several cheating scandals against his legacy. Seeing his two best offensive players ever flourish from out, outside of his umbrella would be a massive dent in the already questionable legacy of Bill Belichick. I remember hosting the show on my own for the first time back in episode 56. And I began that show with something very similar to this very episode you're listening to right now. And that's that it doesn't matter. No matter what Belichick, Brady, and now Gronk do, it doesn't matter. Their time has passed. They are no longer the class of their division, conference, and league. Father Time may not have hit them with a series of haymakers, but he has landed the jab consistently. And I believe that 2020 will show us the inevitable mortality become even more of a reality for all three. I said in episode 56, and I'll say it in episode 61, I will never be the one that tells a man when to quit doing what they love, especially when someone's willing to pay you, do, to, pay you to do it. If there's a team willing to pay, by all means, do it. I want to second that. I get it. I would want to do as much. If I had a career that I loved and someone's willing to pay me, even though I know I'm past my prime, I'm going to keep doing it because it's the passion I have within me. And like I said in episode 56, Bilicek and Brady made each other. And now that they're apart, it only expedites the process of the final chapter's closing. I know the hype that has come and will be coming for the next few months. I expect the Bucks to be highly touted, highly praised, and will be given the ch- they will be treated like the Chargers of the NFC, given expectations that are simply unrealistic. Brady and Gronk are now more name than player. And every single one of you will see what I mean. For the first time in his career, Tom Brady isn't the best quarterback in his division and doesn't have the best head coach roster in his division. He's also by far the oldest player in his division, and Breeze is 40. In the words of the great public enemy, don't believe the hype. I look forward to revisiting this conversation in the very near future. And we will leave it there. When we come back, we are going to chat about The Last Dance. Episode 1 and 2 just came out last Sunday. We're anticipating episodes 3 and 4 coming this Sunday. I want to reflect. I want to I want to give you guys our takes on what we saw in those two episodes because man, we have been waiting for this and waiting for this. And we got a lot to say. So we'll be back for that. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. 
Find them online at CommandeerBrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Spoken podcast for segment number two. I am your host Lance Rubel here inside the KCPN studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell. And if Gat, if you'd be so kind, can we go ahead and get a uh, a shot of where Eddie is currently? We got him. Awesome. Let's go ahead and get. Oh, let's go. To hey, Eddie. yo, 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 yo. Eddie is actually. Where are you at, Eddie? Go ahead and. Uh, I am at Arrowhead right now uh, with my 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 good pal Clark in the other room right now. Don't give him out his, his last name. It, Just say him, call him Clark. It's, it's Clark. Yeah. It's yeah. Clark. We're, we're, Clark. We're first name basis yeah, around. Guy, you know, his last name rhymes with Peach. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, <laughs> it's a uh, it's Rhett Peach. Is that yes. the other guy's yes. name? Yeah, sweet yes, sweet individual. Yes. Sweet individual. Yeah. Don't get nice. too close. We'll give you a cavity. Great, but um, yeah. Well, it's good to have you here, Eddie. I, I hope thank, that you thank will you. give us. Thank uh, you. You'll give us uh, an update, and when the Chiefs, I believe the Chiefs are going to be drafting the I next will. couple of picks. I will. I will. Uh, they, I, he should be on the phone right now. I think with Andy Reid. So yeah, we'll we'll see what what's going on with that. Really, really excited to hear Eddie's update. So we appreciate that. <laughs> Eddie's getting basically two hours tonight. He gets the Eddie hour, and he gets to give us a live stream. Of what oh yeah, going on in the draft. So <laughs> hope it's another running back. Congratulations, Eddie! You're the you're the star of the show. You know, thank you, no jealousy thank on you, this end of the table. You, you know, thank you. So we left we left off on the last uh, segment, guys, letting you know that we really wanted to touch on the Last Dance uh, docu series. This has been before the NFL draft by far the biggest event, if you really want to go that route, uh, in the world of sports right now. Everything at a complete standstill still, and. Boy, was I excited, Trevor. I, I I don't know how you felt during it. I know we both watched oh, yeah. it together. Stoked to watch it, man. Yeah. It was great. It, it was so it was much really fun. Uh, it was super informative. It, it gave me a lot to think about. And so I didn't hesitate. As soon as that night was over, yeah. as soon as the episodes were over, I got to writing. I was so excited to give you guys my immediate takeaway. But first, Trevor, I, I want you to give the people your thoughts a little bit about it because I have a lot to say about it. I'm sure you have a lot to say. But you go, go ahead and let the people know what your takeaway was over just the last, the first two episodes. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see more of the layers getting peeled back. But, I mean, honestly, for anybody who's been a big NBA fan, there's a lot of things that we already kind of knew that they were showing, um, like the personality of MJ and how he was, you know, just that killer, you know, in your head type of guy. Um, so a lot of that stuff on and off the court, I wasn't too surprised by. But the intriguing part of the documentary so far was the insight on Scottie Pippen's life. The I never realized how underpaid he was for that long, and the fact that he signed a seven-year contract like that, um, and the fact that his agent let that go and didn't give him any pointers on that was just bewildering and mind-blowing to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then the main thing, obviously, I, I mean. I think the biggest elephant in the room when you watch that is something that me and Lance have discussed for a long period of time, obviously being LeBron guys, but not even for that point necessarily, but just how dependent that Bulls team was on Scottie Pippen himself and how Phil Jackson himself, and not only his book, but numerous times in interviews, has talked about how Pippen was the vocal leader uh, on the court. And it wasn't MJ being the vocal leader. Obviously, they show they, you know you get the little sound bites of MJ being the guy you know chewing guys' asses out and getting in guys' asses on the in the practice floor and all that. But behind the scenes and, and, and during the games, Pippen was the vocal leader and the guy that a lot of guys were going to to lean on for that leadership to guide the ship. Um, so that was interesting and kind of confirmation to you know a lot of the the way I've seen things um, as far as the the overall 
mesh of that team, that the dynasty that there was the the, the Chicago Bulls of that era, um, and then you know just just the uh, the overall ownership lack thereof. It's kind of it's it's strange because you you support or you're with the the decisions that the ownership made as far as bringing Pip in and and you know bringing the collective group to which obviously led to the success um, of the Chicago Bulls being probably the most stacked team of that era. Um, always, which is why they're always the favorite going into any matchup in the plays, playoffs. But also the incompetence at the same time of that ownership, you know, with with the horrible contracts, not taking care of their guys, allowing you know uh, uh, tension to build without settling it. You know, he had Pippen. Obviously, Pippen was probably in the wrong on some things. You know, with the way him and Jordan were treating ownership, but they, it was valid the way they felt about a lot of things because it, they, the ownership uh, allowed it to brew. Uh, they didn't nip it in the bud early. That's poor leadership on the the, the front office end. Um, so yeah, I mean that to me was, I think the most insight that I got was just from the the ownership and the front office uh, issues, not really necessarily the players. Because I, being a, a, an NBA guy, I've studied a lot. I've, I've I've watched a lot of other documentaries and stuff too on Jordan and guys like Pippen. Obviously, I was a big fan growing up, so I was always kind of tied to that. But as far as the, 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 the numbers go and the ownership and, the, and the, the lack of leadership within that front office was probably the most eye-opening thing to me personally. Well, let's get we to go. business. Let's get the brass tacks for a second. Well, I think the Chiefs are actually going to be selecting pretty soon, so our guy Eddie over at Arrowhead for sure. is uh, going to go ahead and give us an update the moment he gets one from hey, Brett, Brett Peach. Clark, let me know when you get that pick in, all right? Clark H., we appreciate all your hard work and having to put up with Eddie's bullshit. I'm hey, sure Clark. that the buffet line has been <laughs> wiped clean. So. Like sea dog. Okay, look, from the top, we could see a consistent pattern and narrative from the writers, directors, and quite frankly, MJ as far as what they wanted us to follow, and it was the unashamed attack on the Bulls GM, Jerry Krause, at that time. Yeah. And Jerry Krause is one of the most polarizing figures in this entire story. Yeah. You can't tell the story of MJ and the Bulls dynasty without Krause because there isn't an MJ or Bulls dynasty without Krause. From drafting MJ to hiring Phil to trading for Pippen and Rodman, drafting Horace Grant and Tony Kukoc, trading Oakley for Cartwright... Krauss created what we knew to be one of the greatest teams of all time. But with the credit comes the criticism, and with the praise comes the blame. Krauss knew that no matter what he did or how much he contributed to this dynasty, he would never get the credit he felt he deserved or the praise that he deserved. As each championship banner was raised, MJ and company gained praise and pushed Krauss further into the shadows. And he just simply could not handle that. And even through what we have seen eight... eight Uh, With eight episodes to go, we already know how it all ends. A sixth championship and a team still good enough to contend for at least another season ended by a little man with little man syndrome. And therein lies the criticism and blame. I mean, sure, the team was getting older. They they won six out of eight championships and and that hasn't been done since the 60s Celtics. But the case can be absolutely made that with the desire of self-gratification of Kraus is what ended the team. And no dynasty should end that way, like musical groups do with creative differences. That's just not how dynasties should end. There's also another narrative that is heavily implied and even more heavily assumed, and that's that the series will only further prove the narrative that MJ is the greatest of all time. And the timing of this documentary couldn't be more impeccable. Let's just be honest for a second. And and no, I'm not lying. I'm not trying to talk about the the coronavirus and how much more all the intention and relevance the series is getting because of the lack of live sports and the desire for them. 
I'm talking about what everyone is already thinking and what has been thinking about since the release has been announced, and that is the LeBron James argument. I didn't be I didn't want to be the one to bring it up, but everyone's bringing it up, so I have to touch on it. I promised myself that I would touch on this, but I'm lying to myself, and so I have to give you guys my opinion. We should be able to enjoy and reflect upon what was what was this Bulls dynasty. We should be able to reflect on MJ as a great player, but that's just not how sports media and fans are anymore. That's not how it goes in the, in the chat boards and with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's a constant debate, so we have to embrace it. And, and let me get this out ahead of time, because I need, to, I need to address this. I was a 90s kid. Trevor was a 90s kid. Gat was a 90s kid. I worshipped MJ. I had his shoes. I had the 11s, and they will never be top, by the way. There will never be a greater basketball shoe than the Jordan 11s. I had his jerseys. I, had, I think I had four or five different MJ jerseys. I had his posters, I, I, and, I, and I always pretended to be him when we played basketball in the driveway and the pickup games. And I never missed a game on TV. As many times as it was on TNT, I watched. I love Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and I believe the Chiefs actually are on the board right now. So we're going to go to Arrowhead right now. Eddie, let us know what the draft pick is. I think the pick is in. The pick is in. We're still we're still waiting the confirmation from, from Clark. He's, okay. He still hasn't looked my way Clark yet. Clark H is going to get the download. Hey, before okay. we pick, what do you guys think it's going to be? I think it's going to be a cornerback. Uh, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be a cornerback. I think it should be a cornerback. Fulton's already gone. Christian Fulton. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah, I know. So the pick so, is in. <laughs> I wanted him or Diggs. I like Diggs, uh, Stefan Diggs' brother. Which, by the way, we were watching film earlier. Eddie was sending me from Arrowhead. Yeah. And uh, it looks like Diggs' brother could have played wide receiver as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he looked like oh, a badass yeah, catching those interceptions. Right. <laughs> All right. So, oh, who's that, Terrell Lewis? It might be a linebacker oh, that, that we, we, we might be like looking Terrell at a linebacker right go. now. Come on, Clark. Terrell Lewis, man, Alabama. If it's a linebacker, I'm going to be more than happy about that because I, I – you know that's what I wanted with our first pick. Well, Patrick Quinn we'll, was we'll, falling we'll last night. We're we'll going to talk that. about that tonight. Yeah, we'll it was that. look. It was looking like that. And the fucking Ravens had to take him. Uh, I know. We'll see. All right. We'll see what the pick is. Eddie, then. while we wait, how's a uh, how's the how's the drink specials at Arrowhead right now? Do they have any like what is it like vodka mixes? We talking martinis? Free Sun? You yeah, know, Trulys. We got Truly. Some truly. Oh, oh, I think oh, Eddie. Truly. If I'm not mistaken. I think hey. he just got handed a Truly. Right here, look at, look at that! Look at that! Yeah, truly, he's friend of the show. Heart seltzer, <laughs> really good. Your friendly, friendly local stores. <laughs> really, local really good. Stores. It's really good, actually. Yeah. It, there's he that. He it so much he didn't even <laughs> open it up. That's the best part about exactly. it. Exactly. Like, just take his word for he's it. Already he's already twelve. Tried it. He's already twelve deep. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want me to slur my words right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I DM Danny Reed, but he didn't. He didn't message back. So he, yeah. he told you know he, he's not going to let me know what the picks are tonight. Yeah, so that, we're just going to trust Eddie. Exactly. We're still waiting what the pick is in. I mean, I think Roger Goodell's here announcing it right in, now. So the pick is in, but it's not been out. Exactly. So here we go. Let's see. And in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Chiefs select Willie Gay Jr. Inside Yo, linebacker, Willie Mississippi Gay State. Right, Mississippi inside linebacker. State. I love this kid. I'm not mad. Inside man. linebacker. That's what I wanted first. So who's happy? So, I'm stoked. I'm raising my hand right now. I'm stoked. I hey, we all, I think we all wanted a linebacker, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I think I had him in the third round. Uh, I think you had him in the second, round. second round. Yep. So. First, yeah. so we got we got a second round inside linebacker out of Mississippi State. 
Uh, his name is Willie Gay Jr., so definitely do your guys' research on him right now. Um, we're going to definitely do that as well, because like I said, this is a live stream. This is something we've never done before. This is a lot of fun. So we're going to keep that rolling, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm he has off-field issues very, very much yeah. excited about it. We're going to definitely research on him a little bit more. Um, thank you, Eddie, from the report. We anytime, do appreciate anytime. That. Keep us updated on what the Chiefs are going to be For doing sure. with future picks. But we're going we're gonna to actually get back to this conversation just a little bit about the Last Chance uh, docu-series. We're going to definitely talk more Chiefs tonight. But again, I want to I wanna definitely attack this. But um, the first two episodes have quickly revealed uh, that this dynasty didn't begin with MJ, but rather Phil and Pippen. And that, that truly does take away from the assumption that many have lived with for so many years. And for the most part, my generation and the generation after haven't known the details of how it all, how it all came together. And I'm willing to bet that most people in their 20s watching this series are just now learning who the hell Jerry Krause even was. Or how it took MJ seven seasons to even make it out of the first round of the playoffs, and how it took Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, and John Paxson for them to even get beyond it. Or the fact that the 1986 Bulls made the playoffs despite finishing the season 22 games under 500, which to this day is the worst record for a team to ever make the playoffs in the modern era. Or the fact that there was a stretch in which the Bulls lost seven straight playoff games and 10 of MJ's first 11 playoff games. The fact that by and before the age of 23, ironically enough, all-time great coaches like Roy Williams and Bobby Knight already claimed MJ to be the greatest player they have ever seen. They literally say that in the documentary. Well, Larry Bird to himself too, I believe. Yeah, but if anyone knows anything about MJ's NBA career to that point, he hadn't won or appeared in a single championship series. So why is it okay for that to be the narrative for MJ when rings are what he's essentially known for and the reason he's been given the GOAT status from the countless fans and sports personalities? Why hasn't individual greatness been the barometer for others that followed MJ? It would have been one thing had MJ won more rings than Bill Russell while playing the way he did. It would have been one thing had MJ won anything without an all-time great coach or an all-time great teammate, but he didn't. LeBron has. Yet that's still not enough. This series, I believe, was created to bolster MJ's legacy, to flex upon the legacy and relevance of LeBron James. And in regards to the timing, according to ESPN's Ramona Shelbourne, this was carefully planned by MJ. From a, tweet, from a tweet from Shelburne herself that she had shared back on April 18th, quote, For two decades, footage from the Bulls' last dance sat in a vault in New Jersey. Michael Jordan controlled the rights and wasn't ready to make a documentary. But on the day the Cavs championship parade in 2016 happened, he finally said yes. What does that tell you? What does that tell you guys? Salty. Well, I'll tell you what that tells me, damn it. Michael Jordan knows what we all know and what most of us refuse to acknowledge. Daddy. He knows what daddy is. Refuses. The crown has been passed. The crown has been taken. (laughs) Michael Jordan was once the greatest and for some will still be no matter what any other player accomplishes. Especially the one that threatens his legacy the most. And even with the perfectly timed attempt to regain ground in a debate that to me is already dead and buried, this documentary is already blowing up in the faces of MJ's attempt, and again, we're only two episodes in. 
It does the opposite of what MJ initially wanted it to do from its origin because it shows us just how pivotal MJ's health and desire to stay a bull not only kept this dynasty alive, but to create it from the beginning. It would have been one thing had MJ won anything without Pippen. It would have been one thing had the Pippen-led Bulls not won 55 games and were one horrific foul call for making the Eastern Conference Finals without MJ in his first retirement. It would have been one thing if it wouldn't have been different in the 97 Bulls when they lost only two or 10, 10 games all year in 96, and then when Pippen missed two to three months in 97, they lost 12 games before January. This series, to this point, has done the opposite of showing how great MJ truly was. Yes, he was the man that initially brought the excitement and fans to the arena, but before Phil and Pippen, MJ was simply a high-volume scoring player, way ahead of his time, and was unable to lead mediocrity behind greatness like the Celtics and Pistons. The series is proving the myth of MJ to be a lie by proving the truth of how important a team really is. How important timing with the Celtics, Pistons, and Lakers dynasties dying away just in time for the Bulls to run through a weakened competition league wide and how they never forced a single dynasty and they never faced a single dynasty in any of their six final strips. This series is revealing what some of us have been revealing for years now. And that's that MJ's legacy significantly benefited off of always having the better team and coach when the titles begin to rack up and how living and playing in an era in which social media wasn't even an idea yet gave him anonymity and therefore made him godlike with what at the time we only had to rely on second and third account stories to recollect upon and buy into. It revealed that this idea that MJ played for the passion he had for the game was an absolute lie, seeing he not only retired multiple times during the 90s, but also refused to play for any other coach besides Phil after the winning began. Now that can't be viewed as loyalty, but even if there were, that can be viewed as loyalty, but even if that was the case, you can no longer simplify the results of MJ's career and how you can no longer simplify why he played and how he played when he had many standards and needed assurances. Call me crazy, but I can't imagine LeBron retiring three times and refusing to play for his team unless his coach is retained would go over anything other than a lead balloon by the media and the witch-hunting keyboard warriors. While some of you may suggest that this helps MJ's goat case, I think it actually helps LeBron's. And with that, MJ and his series is going to need to make a comeback. It's going to need a clutch shot against LeBron's legacy and career accomplishments. The ultimate difference between LeBron and MJ and is that MJ, although was the best player of that dynasty, he absolutely absolutely needed Pippen to create the dynasty. No doubt. Whereas LeBron is both MJ and Pippen. The best player and the one that keeps it all together. He is what MJ had all along and what MJ needed. If the director and writers at MJ wanted to help his goat argument, they should have included the time before Phil and they shouldn't have included the time before Phil and Pippen. We have eight episodes in four weeks to go. I'm ready to see how this thing plays out. Yeah. But the one thing I already know is that even though it's been enjoyable, it has brought nostalgia and much-needed relevant sports content and discussion, this documentary has already defeated its initial purpose. And that, to me, makes it even more unique. I cannot wait to see the rest unfold. But until it all unfolds, one thing must be acknowledged. MJ isn't in LeBron's head. LeBron's in MJ's head.
Precisely. Precisely. I would love to hear... I know this is going to piss a lot of people off. I know. Gad is back in the background right now sweating bullets. But you know what? Someone needs to speak the truth. And I get it. It's not wax. I know the nostalgia. I know that all that stuff plays in. We remember the good old days. But the good old days doesn't always mean it was the best days. Doesn't mean it was the best player. Love to hear from you guys. At the Spoken Pod, Lance the Spoken... Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you guys think. Billy Hodge says he's still Tate Jordan. Billy Hodge would take yeah. Tate Jordan. Okay, well, Billy Hodge, you're suspended from the spoken and Clay, podcast. And Clay says LeBron sucks. Hey, do, do elaborate. It's a big <laughs> we, we, would love, we would love to hear yeah. the reasons behind because I feel like Trevor and I just laid it out pretty good. And again, we have eight episodes to go, guys. We have a month left of documentary. Maybe MJ makes himself a little bit of a comeback. I'm not seeing it because we know how the story ends. No, I love the, the, the Phil Jackson take, too, about how... Michael Jordan straight up said that he would not if, – if, if they were going to let Phil go, he was done with the Bulls too, <clears throat> which is one thing that LeBron consistently throughout his career got shit on, being called a coach killer, trying to find a guy that he wanted, you know, to that fit his style. Or, or And they always wanted to claim that LeBron was always the – he was the actual coach on the sideline, you know, whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, however you want to look at it. In my mind, I think it's a good thing because I think his IQ is out the roof better than probably most coaches in the league still. But I just think that the double standard – is, is becoming extremely painfully evident as we watch, and we'll continue to watch these these coming episodes of the things that LeBron James consistently got shit on. And the, I think the double standard is actually, I think this is going to help. Like you said, this is only exposing MJ in reality of the double standard that a lot of his stands have consistently shit on LeBron for. So it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to I'm really looking forward to this next one. I think they're, they're going to delve more into the worm and Dennis Rodman, so... I think that's going to be a... That's when you know shit's going to really start popping yeah, off. Yeah. When they start talking about the... Men in dresses and shit. If you guys watched his documentary, I mean, that was insanely yeah. awesome. It was insanely entertaining. Like, the time would just fly by, mm-hmm. man. Like, I was debating between that and the beginning of season three of Ozark. I chose the worm. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm in Ozark now, so... <laughs> but I might watch it again. Who knows, man? Because, yeah. like I said, this... And I want everybody to understand, this documentary, I truly enjoy it because I love Michael Jordan. Absolutely. I love Michael yeah, Jordan. Don't get it I'm twisted. obsessed with Michael yeah, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we grew, that was my favorite athlete growing up. So, it, it, it's not a... I feel like, and I hate this about debates, is it, it, you almost feel like you have to pick sides. It becomes political, man. you got to pick a party. Yeah, like for, me, for me, like there are players I don't like. I've never been a Tom Brady fan. I was never a Kobe Bryant fan. So I would take a side, naturally, when it comes to a comparison between the two. But we, I feel like we can, there's a, a real opportunity for, for us here, and, and, and this time for us to look at both of these players honestly and say, who's the better overall well-rounded player? And it's clearly LeBron James. We can break it all down for you guys well, you if you like. You didn't know LeBron, I love doing that. You didn't know LeBron could be the best all-around player of all time, but still not be the best player of all time. You didn't know that? There's a lot of people out there saying that. Yeah, go that. ahead and ask Steven Jackson I that. Didn't know he, he, I didn't know the literal didn't. quote was, LeBron's the greatest right. overall player we've ever seen. He's just Shit not better than Kobe ears. and Michael. I'm like, yeah. give me some logic behind that. So maybe yeah. one of you guys that are watching this live right now or who, who listen to this podcast later on or watch the YouTube video, please break that down for me. I've been watching this for 30 favorite. years. That's I don't get that. It doesn't make I'm, a lot of sense. I, 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 I love, ahead, the, dude, I love this argument. I love the MJ LeBron ar- argument just yeah. because – it it, it it reminds me of the of the Messi Ronaldo argument. Yeah, it's yep. the, it's almost the exact same thing. But the thing is, these two uh, these two soccer players I mentioned, they are playing in the same era. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I guess you can say it's a lot more harder and a lot. Yeah, yeah, and and it, I guess in in the same way, kind of like LeBron and MJ, you know, each have their fans, each have the 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 people supporting their own clubs yeah. and stuff like that. So 
it's just fun and, and entertaining to no to really watch. Good and content. if you if you get a second, uh, Eddie, while I keep talking, maybe you can get Clark H's thoughts on the LeBron MJ comparison. Uh, maybe see if he's talked about the docu series with his family. I don't think he, I don't think he's watched it, but I'll definitely. Hey, Clark, don't leave yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah please don't let him leave. I I won't. He still has uh, one more pick tonight. Appreciate I think. It. Thanks, Clark H. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, again, just give, give me your thoughts on this, guys, because I, I knew once the documentary was going to come about, it was the whole narrative was going to be about this. I was really hoping yeah. that we can just enjoy reminiscing. I was really hoping that we can just, man, that was fun watching those days of the dominance that the Bulls have. Gat, do we have a comment? Yeah, so Billy Hodge asked if Eddie was sleeping, and then we have Alex Austin <laughs> yes. saying, Yes, he was. So Clay brought out the, until LeBron defeats Dirk in the finals, he can never be the GOAT. Oh, all right, Clay. So, Clay, answer me this. We're, we're, li- we're live streaming here. So, everybody that's a podcast uh, listener, just roll with this, okay? You Thank you. Clay's going to make me. going to make me erupt. So, Clay, so Clay let, let, on, let, me, let me get this straight. Sorry. Let me get this straight, Clay. So, LeBron has to beat Dirk in order to be the GOAT. So, explain to me how MJ's. I'm assuming Clay thinks MJ's the GOAT. So, let's say that MJ's the GOAT in Clay's mind. Explain to me why. MJ is the GOAT because he has six rings and LeBron has three, but Bill Russell's not the GOAT because he has 11 to MJ six. How many rings Dirk got? Like, what is what is enough? I, I, I don't understand. And yeah, to the Dirk point, <laughs> you have to give that team some credit. Yeah. That team swept the defending champion Lakers and then beat the shit out of the Thunder who had four fu- well, three future hey, Hall of Famers and Serge Ibaka. That team was deep. Watch your mouth. Ke- no, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> and James Harden with Serge Ibaka. That was depressing. That was a damn good team, and they ran through that team. I think they that even beat the Spurs, too. Yeah. yeah. They ran through the Western Conference that had 60-win teams all across Dirk, the board. Dirk was just that, unstoppable that, that year. That Mavericks team was built, obviously, for a one-year run. Yeah. But that team was unstoppable. you got to give them credit. Also, in that series... Mike Bibby, who's one of my favorite players of all time, was starting for the Heat at that time. Yeah. Check this out. In the first four games he started, in games five and six, he didn't play a single minute. That's the kind of lack of depth the Heat had. Yes, they had LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Absolutely. I'm not going to excuse it. And LeBron played like shit in that series. I'm not going to excuse it. Yep. He played like shit. They did not have the better team. Plain and simple. The Mavericks earned that championship. We got Shaggy Shane on. Go ahead. What's up, Shag? He says Willie Gay. Uh, Lance says, or Clay says it's over, Lance. Uh, but then Adam Marshall <laughs> said maybe I'm wrong, but did MJ ever have somebody push him out to guard somebody? Oh. Uh, like, okay, these are the standards of what we're basing a goat off of. I just feel like that's a troll attempt. <laughs> I mean, that's just a troll attempt. We're I mean, how many, how many, okay, if we're going to play, if we're going to go down that road, how many, how many, how many teammates has LeBron punched? Like, we, we can go down these paths. How like, many of you teammates has had sex with LeBron's mom? Oh. <laughs> we all know one guy. I'm trying to keep it on the floor. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep it on the floor. Better get my donut. Damn it. Sex with MJ's mom. Damn it, Dad. <laughs> not just as fun. We don't, we don't know that. Like, you know what? Lady. The documentary's not over, okay? We'll, we'll, continue, <laughs> we'll continue to take... Uh, <laughs> we can, we'll continue to take uh, comments on this actual topic, but... Thank That's you, Shaggy. Shaggy actually brought up the, the 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 topics and the segment that I wanted to talk about. We're going to get to uh, the draft picks in just a second. But let me start this part of the segment. Let me start this segment out by giving my dude at Arrowhead right now, Eddie Ortiz, 
tons of credit because he absolutely nailed his first round predictions. Congrats, I my man. I, ca- hey, I you called really, him, man. You finally made I, a good I, prediction, Eddie. Congratulations. That's actually why he's there and we're not. Because he nailed the he draft actually got pick. Invited. Yeah, it was, Yes, because I actually have connections like Clark, you know, so... Yeah, you're pounding the Eddie, table. Eddie yeah. and Clark went to college together. <laughs> you're pounding the table for a running back, you guys. If, if Eddie released the hood, you'd see why. <laughs> yeah, well, I had, no. I'm going to tell you guys this right now. I had one of the best nights since early March, and I think you understand that. Uh, it was such a fun time being able to focus on something sports-related yeah. that was live and in motion. That I felt like it's been months, Man, and it's, literally like months so and months since we've had that. Yeah, yeah. As the draft went on, I noticed a few names that I liked and was holding on to watch closely. And I was told, hey, watch these guys closely. Guys like Patrick Queen, C.D. Lamb, and Cesar, Cesar Ruiz, Ruiz uh, were all getting closer to that 30-second pick that the Chiefs were, uh, of course, controlling. I was fully prepared to celebrate any of them, regardless of who the Chiefs took. Because as we all know and have talked about tirelessly on this show, any player they pick in this draft is considered a luxury. And as I titled the 2020 draft class last week for you guys, uh, this is depth row. Like, the Chiefs have nothing but depth to acquire in this draft. Yeah, there might end up being a guy who ends up becoming a stud and a superstar, which we could be seeing very shortly, uh, out of the running back position. But more than likely, it was going to be depth positions and depth uh, opportunities the Chiefs are going to be attacking. But I will admit that I did not expect the running back at 32. I did not. Definitely. I was shocked about that. I will, I I will gladly say that I was wrong and I was shocked. I was shocked because the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with Damian Williams as their premier back. And we just picked up DeAndre Washington. Yeah, and, and, and now we look. We all love Dame, but we all know what he is and what role he plays. I was also shocked because the Chiefs just signed DeAndre Washington, like Trevor said, who is a former teammate of Patrick Mahomes and actually fits this offense pretty damn well. Yep. However, after seeing the board for what it was as the Chiefs were on the clock, I guess I probably shouldn't have been all that shocked. And after spending several hours, and I mean literally several hours after the first round was over, I did not get much sleep last night. I'm here to tell you guys that the Chiefs just got themselves an absolute stud at 32. And I'm going to give my guy uh, Real Real Bird Lawyer on Twitter some credit because he actually dropped this uh, tweet that I absolutely love this morning. Follow. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. This is his quote. I'll say this. The Chiefs know as well as almost any team the positional value of running back. This is the first time... Andy Reid has ever taken a running back in round one. Casey, the Chiefs have not taken a running back in the first round since Larry Johnson in 2003. So for Casey to take a running back at round one, this running back in round one, they've got to know this guy is a big deal and they have big plans for CEH. Great quote, great tweet from our guy. Definitely give him a follow. And I'm no draft draft expert, and I don't watch college players as closely as our guys at Arrowhead Pride do. However, what I look for in a player aren't the stats. It's what you show me instinctually, how you react to pressure in big moments and in big games. That's the stuff I usually look at the most because college stats can be very deceiving at times, especially like a quarterback and offensive players like running backs and wide receivers. However, and I say however with caps, CEH... Not only put up 2,000 total yards, 200 plus, 2,000 plus total yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, which led the SEC, which is a big deal. He also outplayed players that weren't even that were set, that were taken several spots before him in the draft. Henry Ruggs to the Raiders made everyone react, and rightfully so. That kid is an absolute stud himself. Speedster. Ceh caught 15 more passes last year than Henry Ruggs. Yep. I don't know if you guys remember what I just said. CEH is a running back. (laughs) 
And to reinforce the notion of how awesome this pick was, Patrick Mahomes clearly benefited off the top tier remedies so much that he handpicked this guy. He knew he was going to benefit off this guy so much that when asked by the two guys running this franchise, he said one word, one name, Clyde, and they took him. How much that story is true, I don't know, but it's a, it makes for a damn good movie. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> According to Jason List, the content analyst for Team Rankings, Mahomes had 9.5 touchdown percentage on pass attempts to Kareem Hunt. And you guys know how much I love Kareem Hunt. That's 3.4% higher than Mahomes to Damian Williams and 3.9% higher than Mahomes to any other running back he's ever played with in his professional career. And again, you guys know my affinity for Kareem Hunt. CEH is the most talented running back Mahomes will ever play with to this point. And it may not be close. From Peter Schrager coming on Colin's show today, Colin Coward, saying that CEH was not only the best running back in this draft to him, but could be the best player in this draft to him. That's Peter Schrager, a guy who knows his shit. This pick continues to look better and better as the season is going to draw closer. I'm just letting you guys know right now. I know there are doubters out there. And Brett Holman, the creator of the film room, I love the video he posted on their Buccaneers Live. He has a YouTube channel. I think he's got like 12,000 followers. He has a decent following. <laughs> These are his literal quotes after the Chiefs got CEH. Quote, the AFC is over. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to KC was my doomsday scenario. Fuck me. That is his literal quote. He ended And he ended his show with this. Quote, it's over. It's over. The season is over. <laughs> As crazy as it may sound, Damian Williams should be excited about this also. And I'm going to throw that out there. I'm going to get Trevor's thoughts on this as well. Yeah. I mean, and think about it for a second. Damian is already a legend in KC with his all-time playoff production. And now after winning the Super Bowl, he doesn't have to prove anything and has no pressure on him. And the best part is he doesn't have to carry the load. Because, again, DeAndre Washington now coming into Kansas City. Now, with CEH coming into Kansas City, Damian Williams can chill. People are concerned that this might mean he could get cut. But the structure of the cap, he's not going to help the cap enough to where it justifies losing him. One year left on his deal anyway, Damian Williams is going to play his best football, and the Chiefs are going to carry at least three to four running backs. So why would you cut Damian Williams? And it, when it comes to CEH, like any other player drafted, there are comparisons and parallels to players that came before them. Well, the comparisons we continue to hear from not only outside spectators, but the Chiefs brass themselves when it comes to CEH is Brian Westbrook. Throughout Brian Westbrook's career, he compiled 10,275 total yards, 71 total touchdowns, while averaging 4.6 yards per carry. If that's the comparison for CEH, Mm. sign me the hell up. Trevor, what are your thoughts on this pick, man? Yeah, I mean, if that's the comparison with him in this offense, I can only imagine what the numbers are going to be, you know, with this collective group. Um, Man, uh... You you were in the same house as me when we got that pick. Um, we were all having a couple. We had a couple text groups going on. I wasn't happy. Uh, I had no. I had no interest in taking a running back anywhere in the draft. Uh, and I made it fairly well known to anyone who asked me about the draft and what I thought we should do. I wanted to go linebacker. I wanted to take the best linebacker available. Um, unfortunately, Patrick Queen was taken right before us. Um, and had to be the Baltimore Ravens of all teams too. Um, but I really, really wanted a linebacker. Uh, I would have taken, you know, Zach Braun too. I think he's, I don't even know if he's been taken yet. Um, he sat. Um, 
But the more, like Lance said, he slept on it. I slept on it. I was not happy going to bed that night, last night, uh, after that pick. I had, I just didn't think. We already had, I think, six or seven running backs in, in our room already. Um, and I didn't think. I thought there's there we could have found, just like we did with Kareem Hunt, a diamond in the rough type guy. You know, uh, running backs are, you know, they find we find success with running backs regardless. We, we picked up Damian Williams, who was the third string running back from Miami. You know, now, and he was a Super Bowl, you know, hero. You know, we could turn guys like that into that. I figured, you know, we just got DeAndre Washington, similar type. We have like four of the same similar type guys, you know, that can do all the same things. Um, but the thing I do like about this guy is he's 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 adamant about getting better. And all his coaches say the first thing he said when he when he when last season started, he's talking about how he's first things he wants to do is protect and learn how to uh, you know throw more uh, pass, be better at pass protecting and throwing better blocks. To me, that's a guy I want on my team, a running back that's consistently wanting to get. I didn't know much about him, honestly. I know there was other guys like Swift that everyone was hyping up for the Chiefs because of his ability in the passing game, obviously. Most running backs nowadays have that ability. Uh, um, but Lance, like you like you dived into with his, the number of catches he's had this, this season is right up there with the best wide receivers, right. which is insane, um, which fits right into the mold of our offense. Uh, so we not only are going to have a legitimate guy that, which I like the most about him is just from the tape that I've watched and the highlights um, that I've watched of him and his tape, his ability to make the first and the second guy miss, which is similar to Kareem Hunt. He's obviously not the size of Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt was a, a monster. Um, but his jump cuts, the way he digs his foot in and he does that, does that little wiggle, and, and he has almost like a Darren Sproles-esque spin with the spin move. It reminds me a little bit of Darren, uh, uh, Darren Sproles a little bit uh, and Brian Westbrook type. So I, I, he's a perfect fit. I just I felt initially I was upset about the draft capital being spent on him. But like you said, Peter Schrager talked about how after the, we picked him, a lot of other teams in the draft rooms were ripping up papers and were all pissed off because we took that guy. And a lot of people, he was obviously going to be the first – Running back taken from the from the way it was looking. So, uh, I mean, think about this for a second. Yeah, the Chiefs finished last season fifth in total points. Right, right, fifth in scoring. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes missed two and a half games last season. Tyreek Hill missed four. Mm-hmm. Eric Fisher missed eight. Sammy Watkins missed three. Mm-hmm. And they still finished fifth. Yeah, and we had we were one of the worst, if not the worst, rushing team in the NFL. Right, and not to mention, yeah, twenty third in total in total rushing That's without complimentary football. I mean, you yeah. got to think now, guys, with a healthy roster coming back next season, 91% of the yeah. starting roster retained. Another year with the coaching staff, which was also retained 100%. Yeah. With this addition, I get it. A first-round running back, we have a lot of people pushing back on it. I get it. But at the value of that, you got to think. Some people's mentality is so fucked up, they think if you got him at 33 as opposed to 32 because it's in the second round, that's somehow a better value. Guys, I'm telling you, this... this you guys remember in 2018 what our offense looked like for the first 10 weeks? It was simply unstoppable. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs were averaging 37 points a game, and why was that? Because they had a nucleus you couldn't stop. Patrick Mahomes was already breaking records. He had Travis Kelsey, he had Tyreek Hill, he had Sammy Watkins, but what other piece did they have that you couldn't stop? Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt. Yeah. The, off- the offense was still great without Cream Hunt, but they were scoring three or four points less per game. That is a significant drop-off. Yeah. Kareem Hunt was extremely valued to this offense. I am telling you now, maybe I'll be the first to tell you, CEH is going to bring that 2018 offense back, and that, that better excite the fuck out of you guys. He was averaging, what, 6.3 yards per carry? Yeah, it was yeah. stupid. It was stupid. Insane. It was over yeah. six yards a carry. Yeah. You're, I'm not. I'm, obviously, I don't expect that to be the case well, in the size, NFL. His size in the NFL is the only thing that gives me pause. But, but why Kareem Hunt was so effective in this offense is because they ne- he never had to face a stacked right, box. Right. 
This offense, you're never going to have stacked boxes against you. And his pass catching ability. His pass catching and ability. And Clyde is obviously much better than Kareem even was. So it's exciting. Right. The more I've had, I've had time to think about it and sleep on it and listen to even his running yeah. back coach at LSU on Six Ten Sports today talking, about, comparing him to Barry Sanders. I was like. Yeah, I don't want to get. Barry yeah, we don't want to get caught yeah. up in the moment where we're, no, we're yeah. trying to make this sound like this guy's a surefire Hall of Famer. Right. What I'm saying is, this is a type of move that makes this team that much better. Already, you're seeing the reactions of people that have no horse in the race. Right. You're seeing them going, "Oh my God, the Chiefs got him." That's when you know it's a real pick. Eddie, what are your thoughts out there in Arrowhead? Let us know real quick. I don't know if Clark left <laughs> hey. or not. Please don't let him leave. Lock the door. No, he's, he's bar still the here. Windows. Yeah. What, what was your thought on the pick when you when you saw that come down on the 32nd pick? At first, I was like, "Oh shit, they're actually going for a running back." Because I, I heard him talking to. Uh, yeah, you need to strut your look, shit right now. Just I, you know. I know, just throwing it out there, you know. But uh, I wasn't surprised at all because that's what I wanted. I wanted the Chiefs to go out there and get a first round, first round talent in that running back position. Though, yes, uh, one of his uh, disadvantages, one of his cons, is pass protection, pass block, and stuff like that. But hearing him wanting to work on that and grow on that as a player. Just tells you how much of a better player he can be. Yeah. And willing to put the work, you know. And, and like uh, uh, Trevor was talking about how he makes that first guy yeah. miss. His spin move off the His line spin of move is, is ridiculous. Yeah. The little, little, little shimmy thing he does to, to just get rid of that, that second player. It's a little bit of a frame going too, I see. Yeah. Like little, yeah. And, I mean. He he's a beast, man. He yeah. he can he can run. He could you know power through some uh, some blocks. I've have seen a lot of highlights on him. <laughs> I, I hey I'm he's I'm a, all he's in. A short guy, I think he's yeah. five seven. I'm he all give me I'm all in, man. I'm all in. And short guys can 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 be ballers too, man. So. Amen, amen. No. You know what? Amen. <laughs> it's it's a it's a rare short ball guys too. It's a rarity. I mean, we've seen guys like MJD and guys like Ray Rice succeed. So I mean. And, and, I don't doubt any running back in this system. That's the thing. Like, I, that's why I felt initially I was like, man, why are we wasting a first-round draft pick on a running back when we could take a guy in the very last pick of the last round and make him look like a stud? You know what I mean? So yeah, but, I, that's the only thing that gave me pause. But I, from watching this tape and listening to people that know him, his own running and, back coach, comparing him to Barry Sanders, and everyone has nothing but good, exactly, great things to say about him. Exactly. I mean, I that's, it's just not sold. Well, and also his story, uh, hearing about his two fathers, where he had his father, who his real, his biological father, who went to prison for 14 years, mm. and his stepfather stepping in and showing him the ways and how to... like. The, you, I recommend... The, the Chiefs tweeted it out today. It's only like six minutes long. Listen to that story, man. It, it, it'll make you like love this guy even more. Just like what he went through... How good of a head on his shoulders he has! He better be good. That's I mean, it's, it's it's so incredible. Like it's a feel good story. Yeah. And the kid's just like, supremely talented, way yeah. ahead of his time. You saw there's footage on that video, uh, that six minute video of him at like seven eight years old, and he it looks it looks like a grown man out there with with kids. Yeah. He, it's just not <laughs> fair. He was that good. Um, but the Chiefs got another pick at sixty three, out of Mississippi State. I want to I want to get our thoughts on this real quick. You guys know. Uh, we praise Arrowhead Pride here all the time. We've had Kent Swanson on the show several times. We've now had Craig Stout on the show. Speaking of Craig, he's the defensive guy. I'm telling you, he's the defensive analyst for Arrowhead Pride. I trust what he gives me. And he tweeted out on March 1st of this year about Willie Gay Jr. 6'1", 243 pounds. This is an actual tweet from Craig Stout from back in 3120. Blew up the combine with his with his athleticism, and it shows up in a big way when defending the run. Quick play ID and trigger beats the climb blocker to the spot, then shows off range to the sideline and lays the wood. 
Man, when you hear when you hear an inside That's linebacker can lay the wood, damn it! Sign me up, man. I was telling you guys, Sign I, want, I want an angry middle yes. linebacker, a guy that's yes. homegrown. Oh, we yes. have, I think we have a, a so, comment from Gat. What yeah, we got? Not a comment from me, but from the audience. Let's I hear it. Chime in here a little bit. Uh, Shaggy Shane has a really good take on Willie Gay. Just worried about the Marcus Peters kind of attitude problem. But, off-field issues. Yes, the uh, off-field issues. Really trends in here. He says the best thing about the Clyde pick is that Lance will stop tweeting sadly about Kareem never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fuck, the best man. part. That's the best part, Clay. I like that. I, like I, that. I, 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 there's still I agree. a chance. There's still a chance. Oh man. I I I, I agree. Uh, that was a, a that was a sad time in my life. I was listening to a lot of Nirvana. It was it was it was bad. Um, but I miss Cream even this day. Even with Ceh, I, I always love Cream Hunt because of what he was to this team. I I I feel for his soul, basically, man. Like what he, what he goes through internally, I, I feel for, and I hope he can really bounce back. But you're right, Clay. I mean, I, there won't be any more of those. L up in my feelings, Drake style tweets about Cream Hunt anymore. I, I'll move on with Ceh, but but uh, back back to Willie Gay Jr. Though um, the player comp is what everyone's looking at, just like we talk about with Ceh about you know Brian Westbrook and Barry Sanders and all these high you know touted running backs throughout history is what he's being compared to. Craig Stout's player comp for uh, Willie Gay Jr. is none other than Derek Johnson. That's sign right. me up. Sign me up. Derek Johnson, I'm, I'm ladies and gentlemen. Sign me up. Said, yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves the next DJ on our team right now. 6'1", 243 pounds. Craig said it. The, the big, yeah, if Craig says <laughs> Craig it, because that's a stout <laughs> prediction. Pun stout. intended. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy, again, who has the athleticism we have missed in the middle of the field yeah. since DJ's prime. And that's been five, six, seven years. We have not had that presence on the inside. Anthony Hitchens... Has been solid at times, but in no way, shape, or form has been the answer at yeah. linebacker. They've tried throwing Reggie Ragland to it. They've tried several other pieces. They've just fallen to the wayside. We did not have our franchise linebacker. That's a real thing, by the way. You can have yourself franchise players outside of quarterback. Yep. I love this pick because the guys I trust love this pick. Hell yeah. We're not the experts here, man. We're just a bunch of loud-ass hey, dipshits yep. running our mouth out here right now Very talking true. about the, the team we love the most. Very and true. I'm telling you guys, they love it at Arrowhead Pride. The experts love it. I love, I love it. it. I, yep. I, at this point, look, look. I know we repeat ourselves a lot when we say this, but this is a consistent approach here. Any pick the Chiefs take in this draft is only going to help them. Yep. Even if the guy doesn't end up becoming the star we think he is. Let's say CEH only becomes a middle-tier running back. That doesn't hurt the Chiefs. That's what we have to understand. This yeah. team right now can repeat in Super Bowl uh, fashion. They can absolutely win the and championship about, again. And how about the vibe, the, the aura and the vibe of this whole draft is so different than any draft it is you know because we already we're already champs at this point and and we're not only champs we're not desperate to grab any one position so it's so like it's such a relaxed outside of me not being happy at first initially about the running back (laughs) but now that i've got a chance to kind of dig in and get to know the guy yeah and once he's on the field and making plays obviously i'm going to fall in love even more because i'm pretty sure that's going to happen but i it's just the the vibe around this whole Draft is just so different than anything I've experienced as far as being a Chiefs fan and, and, and enduring shitty drafts, man. And, and us watching us pick bonehead picks after pick, even in Veach's first uh, you know uh, try, time around, it was it's 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 just a whole different feel this time around, man. And I love it. I'm so comfortable. I'm I'm I'm, tr- I'm way more trusting, you know. And, and the fact that Mahomes was behind that initial first pick for for our guy Clyde makes me feel even more better, man. Because if Pat's happy, I'm happy. So, yeah, man. The, yeah. yeah the, and, and the Chiefs already. What are you hearing over at Arrowhead right now, Eddie? Oh, no, no nothing yet. Uh, it's been but pretty quiet. No yeah, it's pretty. Man. It's pretty quiet so far. No but for my spies. 
Hey, but I, but I like everything you guys are saying about the the new linebacker. How you know that mean attitude, that homegrown, that that Derek Johnson vibe. You know, I, I'm I'm loving everything I'm hearing about this guy. I haven't seen any any highlights yet, any any uh, any film on this guy. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun night. Well, as far as far yeah. as the as far as the off the off field stuff. Like I know. Like, oh yeah, he, I think he had an eight game suspension for uh, yeah. some kind of no, no, incident. He injured his. He injured quarterback the quarterback. Of, yes, yeah, he injured a quarterback on his team, which is yeah. a bad look. But I mean, dude, like this is the thing with guys coming out of high school, college players. Guys are gonna make mistakes. And if there's any guy I want on, my, on the field that has anger issues, I want it to be my middle linebackers. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm look, just saying. The, I think there's a follow through with all that. Yeah. I, the, the Chiefs, especially under Andy Reid, have been known to give second chances to players. Who you know have not gotten the fair shake in life? Is done, I'm not yeah. making an excuse for what he did. Obviously, he needs to control his shit. Right. The point is that we have to remember the the youth factor, the fact that I don't know his story. It's undeveloped brain still, man. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors to play into this. We've seen men change their stars. We've seen them develop into mat- into a mature adult. I'm going to give this guy an opportunity because the Chiefs felt that not only was the player good enough, but the man was good enough. Well, and you got to understand perspective, too, of where these guys come from. Right. A lot of these guys come from the streets, man, and then they, they have yep. pure talent. Sports is their only way out to make it in life. And it really sucks that, like, you know, we see what happened with Kareem Hunt. Obviously, the Chiefs had to part ways with him, or they felt Marcus it was Peters. best to part ways with him. Yeah. They traded Mar- away Marcus Peters for a bag of chips. God damn it. I'm going to still, if I could go back in time, I'd still take those guys. Because what they did for this team in the time they did it, yeah. they still helped this team push forward. It sucked losing them mm-hmm. in the way that we did, but I don't regret having them on my team. I'm going to still look back and reminisce on the times those guys helped push this team forward. That we were better with them than, with, than without them. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the Chiefs don't have another pick, and well, I mean, unless they trade up, of course. Uh, they don't have another pick to the 96th spot. Mm-hmm. Um Let's just go ahead and do some predictions real quick. Uh, they, the we're Chiefs, I, I, I said last week on last week's show, I thought the Chiefs were going to go linebacker in the second round. They did go linebacker. Eddie, you nailed your first pick with the with the running back at thirty two. Trev, where do you see the Chiefs going with ninety six? Well, where I think we should go, because uh, obviously my opinion doesn't matter. Because you know, running <laughs> well, that's back, true. Running that's back in first round. Anyways, uh, you hearing this, Clark? Where I think. <laughs> my apologies. Uh, I, I think we should go either interior offensive line protection. Um, or a cornerback. Because I think there's a lot of good cornerbacks still sitting uh, in DBs. You, even, a, even a versatile safety I'm good with at this point, you know, because we have, yeah. you know, guys like Tyrone that can play corner and safety. I love – you can't have enough of hybrid-type players. And obviously Andy Reid loves the hybrid-type players offensively and defensively. Those are the perfect chess piece guys on both sides of the field. So I would love to see us grab another versatile DB that's that's you know, that's a, a, a Spags-type guy that's, you know, not necessarily the fastest but has long arms and is really good in coverage and technique. So I would love to see – I would personally want to go corner and then see us go uh, tomorrow go uh, interior offensive line depth. That's where I'm at. Yeah, yes. I'm actually in the same place. Uh, because I, actually, uh, my my prediction on sh- last week's show in episode sixty, I did say that I think that the Chiefs will go either with a center or a guard or a guy that can play both. I, I def I definitely think that's important. As I said in the show last week, we have to look at Patrick Mahomes as not just a great player, yeah. but as an investment. They're about to send this dude a, a, a paycheck that we've never seen in the NFL before. They're about to back that truck and just unload the back of the the area. I'm just I'm just letting you guys oh, know. Yeah. Just be prepared for the fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to be making the north of $40 million. Because I, I, personally, I don't That's know how you guys sexy. feel. I don't think that Patrick is going to get his extension this offseason. I think yeah. they're going to wait another year so they can ensure 
keeping either Chris Jones on we want to make sure he's the real deal. Yeah, still, it's a prove it deal for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. He's got to prove it. He's alongside Rashad Breeland. The best out of him. You know first, what I mean? Yeah. Sammy Watkins and Patrick—they're all sitting there. Man, are we going to be on this team next year? No. But the point is, I really do believe that Patrick's going to wait. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, they still have a couple months still to go before they even have to really even take it seriously as far as the extension is concerned. Yeah. But I do think he sits this back because more money is going to be given to him, obviously, if the Chiefs make another Super Bowl run in 2020. The Chiefs would obviously like to get Patrick Mahomes signed now because it's going to be cheaper for them. Yeah. But the, the point remains, man, he's, he's an investment no matter what the dollar figure is. You have to be able to protect said investment. And in order for the Chiefs to be able to keep him healthy, because you saw last season, the offensive line was fine. But, you know, you saw how Patrick Mahomes, that could have been far worse. You could have seen Patrick Mahomes miss the rest of that season. And we're not sitting here talking about a Super Bowl run. That's the significance. LDT is fine in the middle. They just restructured him. Yeah. But I still think they can get better up front. I definitely think they get better at center. Yeah. I definitely think they get better at guard. And if they can do that, if they do do that 96, I'm going to be very happy. But on on the flip side of it, if they don't go offensive line, I'd like to see the Chiefs go wide receiver. Yeah. I really would. I'm not opposed. Sammy Watkins is on a one-year deal. Demarcus Robinson's on a one-year deal. McCole Hardman is still a project. Why not, man? Like th- th- it's it's a perfect time for them to go wide receiver if they don't go offensive line. Eddie, what do you think, man? From Arrowhead. Yeah, for for this uh, this next pick, I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Trev. I, I want like a DB uh, at cornerback. I think that's that's gonna be one of the big big priorities because well, you got we've, we've yeah exactly and, and we've year. seen yeah. what what. The other divisional teams have done yeah. so far, so obviously that help in cornerback would be much needed, as uh, as would uh, offensive uh, offensive tackles. You know, wide receivers. I'm not too sure as to like if I, I was to waste a, a third round pick on a wide receiver. Maybe the last pick of, of the that the Chiefs have, I, I wouldn't mind a wide receiver. Yeah. But I think this next two picks, I'm going to go cornerback and offensive tackle. Gotcha. Okay. I want to add to the DB thing, too. Just like I, before we even started the show, like I said, um, the way our division is shaping out and the way the our division is drafted so far, if you guys have been paying attention, obviously the, the, the Chargers defense, obviously they, they've been making some moves. That defense is going to be nasty, by the way. But the majority of our, our the picks in our division with the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders, it's been almost all offensive weapons. They're stacking up to go toe-to-toe with us, not saying that that's going to compete with us, but – I do want to have, I do want to be prepared because there's a lot of good talent coming out of this draft that's being drafted within our division, which hence makes me want to go get a DB right now to add to the depth of our team right now and to prepare for that the the, the upgrades that the opposing teams in our within our division are stacking up on because there's a lot of good offensive talent that that's within our division now through this draft. So just countering those offensive weapons with some defensive weapons and, and guys of our own. So to add to those DBs, I think it's important. It'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs do also uh, with the remaining picks. They have three more picks. I wonder if the Chiefs are going to get aggressive in the middle rounds and maybe trade up. Trade, ooh, I hope so. I, I wonder at this because, point, yeah. Yeah, because at this, they're playing with house money. We yeah. have to understand that. The Chiefs are in prime position right now to basically do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. If they want to trade up and, 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 and get you know five or six spots closer to getting a guy that they're like, hey, you know what, let's take a shot at this guy. Because we're starting, after the third round, you're starting to look at projects. You're looking at guys you're just shooting in the dark, uh, camp bodies, guys that may or may not make the team. Why not, in my opinion, if you feel that you're secure enough on the offensive line side, let's say that you guys are right, and they go corner in the third round, mm. why not take a few stabs at some guys in the offensive line in the fourth and, or the, the fourth and fifth round? 
Why not? At, at 138 and 177, go back-to-back offensive linemen. Yeah. I, I don't see why not. I mean, yes, I would like to selfishly, like I said, if they don't go offensive line with this next pick at 96, I want to see wide receiver. But if the Chiefs don't go wide receiver, they're not going to be hurting. That is that is the beauty in all of this. Yeah. No matter what position they go with from here on out, or quite frankly at all in this draft, sure, we still got guys they're in the, not going to be hurting. Yeah, we got guys on the practice squad that I trust, like guys like Pringle. You know, guys that I, I know, we've we seen him come in and fill in. Have good oh, yeah. Yes. That, even that game we lost this past season against the Colts, he played. He balled he out. Balled he had a out. weeks straight where he looked great. Yeah. He's a startable player, too. So we have... And we have wide receivers. We have depth. The best part about this draft also is it's been highly praised as one of the deepest drafts coming into this. And now, coming into today, they've they've been talking about it nonstop about how this is one of the deepest second and third rounds we've seen in 25 years. Mm -hmm. So the Chiefs literally... Are at an oppor- have an opportunity, and the way the first round went, there are a lot of players at high value that were first round guys and first round grades that are still falling. Mm. So that's that's the best thing for the Chiefs and teams like the Chiefs in their position. Teams like the Chiefs and the Saints, you know, that already have deep rosters. The 49ers, they can afford to whiff on a few players. If if I'm the Chiefs at 96, if there's not a cornerback that you feel comfortable with or an offensive lineman you feel comfortable with. Take a damn wide receiver. There are so many good wide receivers in this draft, and I guarantee you there'll be still some good ones before the first 100 picks are done. Yeah. So take that damn wide receiver. Do we have any uh, comments? Yeah. yeah, we've actually got Clark Hunt standing behind <gasps> right now. Mr. Hunt? Can we call him Mr. Clark Hunt now? We call him uh, Clark H? Just, no. Leave. It's kind of <laughs> Mr. Clark, I just want to say, <laughs> big, like, fan, big fan. Big yeah. fan. I know, I know you're Clark, a fan of the show you, as well. You're still in my spotlight right now, Clark. Come on, now. Is he in your light? Is he in the lighting? Because we can get a chair. He's still he's still in my spotlight right now, Clark. We talked about this, Clark. Okay, good. It's usually frowned upon when people like outshine our our regulars on the show or our, our people. But I think we can make an exception for Mr. Hunt. Humble, humble oh come on now, Mr. He's, Hunt. Humble he's still in my spotlight. He used to own Six Flags. Okay, let's 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 give the guy some some you know credit. Nothing here, else. All right? yeah. Nothing else. Yeah, you know, not, not the you oh, know. Are, excuse me, are you Clark Hunt, the former Six Flags? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was you. Yeah, known as. I mean, we know you own the Chiefs, the yeah, Super Bowl yeah, champs. Yeah, I know. Let's face. talk about Six Flags. <laughs> That's all I want to know. So we're going to take a quick break, guys, because I think we definitely need it. Uh, we're going to still be monitoring the draft to see if the Chiefs maybe try to trade up or if they just stay put at 96 and play at the conservative route. Whatever they're doing, we're in full support of. Well, like I said, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be doing the Eddie Hour. We'll get back to that after this. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for the KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. In the KCPN studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Live at Arrowhead, of course, with our guy Clark Hunt, friend of the show. By the way, I just got a text from Clark Hunt. He's inviting me to his yacht club, so I'm really excited about that, guys. Eddie, I've just won up to you. You what? might have an Arrowhead experience. I'm about to go on a cruise line, basically. This is going to be So thank you, Clark H. We really uh, appreciate you. Clark. Um, but we are actually going to transition right back to Arrowhead for our guy Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, yo, yo himself. Because it is the Eddie Hour, motherfuckers. Oh, yes. So, Eddie, take it over, man. What's going on in the Eddie Hour? All right, I got two questions for you guys today. And and my first question is going to be, 
I want to I want to hear your thoughts on like we touched a, uh, on it uh, a little bit. Uh, I know Trevor touched a little bit on it. You haven't touched much on it. I want to hear your thoughts on what have I touched on on the divisional opponents, uh, the quarterback that just came into the division, uh, the wide receivers that have come in, the ones that De- uh, Denver and Oakland have gotten. I just want to hear your thoughts and, and I want to hear like what what do you guys think like it's gonna happen? Is the chemistry gonna be there? Do you think the quarterback that the, the Chargers grabbed is just a complete butt? Well, like, I just want to hear your thoughts on well, it. When I heard that Justin Herbert went to the Chargers, when I heard that they had taken him, mm-hmm. um, the first thing I did was kind of laughed about it all because I was hearing nonstop the entire week leading into this draft that Tua Tungabaloa was going to be taken after Justin Herbert. Yeah. And obviously that did not happen. I thought that was hilarious because Tua is clearly the better quarterback Absolutely. in my opinion. Um, Justin Herbert, to me, I, I don't, Look, again, this is not coming from an expert here, but I don't have good vibes about Justin Herbert as an NFL quarterback. He deals with inaccuracy. That, to me, is problem number one. It's very hard for a quarterback to all of a sudden just get more accurate. Yeah. It, it's very hard. That's that's almost something that has to be instilled in you. You can work on it. You can get better. But if that is your initial problem, that's what I also... And also, when you have to rely on your athleticism to become the player that you are... That's another problem. And with the Chargers' offensive line problems that they already have, mm-hmm. that's going to be an issue that I think early and often is going to oh, succumb to Justin Herbert. I don't know if Terod Taylor is going to be their starter of week one, probably more than likely. Yeah. But Justin Herbert's eventually going to play. He's a top seven pick, for Christ's sake, guys. Like This guy is somebody the Chargers are hoping to build their franchise around. But the first thing that I thought about when it came to the Chiefs' side of this was, well, the Chiefs are going to win the next 20 AFC West titles. <laughs> Because this this doesn't scare me. If Tua Tungavailoa or Joe Burrow would have landed with the Chargers, I would have to respect that. Yeah. I don't respect Justin Herbert to this point, and I don't until he shows me that he can play at the NFL level. I'm not going to give him that respect because I also don't believe in the Chargers. They always find ways to disappoint themselves and everyone else that buys into every fucking year when they pick him to go to the goddamn Super Bowl. And I guarantee that's going to happen again. There's already been the questions arising: Can they threaten the AFC West? I mean, for Christ's sake, their defense is stacked. I'm going to respect the shit out of adding Chris Harris and uh, uh, Murray, the inside line. Linebacker. Yeah. Those are two studs that with Derwin James, with Bosa, and with Ingram. Yeah. That's gonna be a damn good defense, and they do give the Chiefs troubles. Yeah, but they went from a future Hall of Famer, Philip Rivers, to Justin Herbert. I don't know what Justin Herbert's gonna be, but I've watched his film at Oregon, and I don't feel good about him. I'm just gonna leave it there. Now, as far as Jerry Judy and Ruggs is concerned, those are guys you have to respect. Those guys have natural ability to get open and get open consistently. And as much as I like Rashad Breeland, as much as I like Shavarius Ward, those guys will beat them. They will beat them. That's just a fact of it. Those guys are freak athletes. They are highly touted players, and I think they're going to live up to the standard. I think they're going to give the Chiefs some fits. Luckily, unless Derek Carr all of a sudden gets better and Justin Herbert turns into a superstar machine... They're not going to be able to hang 40 on the Chiefs like the Chiefs will hang 40 on them. So with all of it considered, and as much as I respect those two wide receivers, because I do think they're going to be studs in this league, they have quarterbacks that are going to probably underthrow them by 15 yards or overthrow them by 15 yards, and that leads to turnovers, and that leads to Chiefs' victories. I'm all for it. Trevor, what are your thoughts? (laughs) I mean, when I look at the division, uh, heading into each matchup and heading into each year, the main things I look at as far as how we're going to compete and how we match up against these teams is first I look at obviously the quarterback of the, the opposing team and then the defense of the opposing team. I think I think all three teams in our division are getting better defensively. 
Um, and I think the Raiders definitely proved that last year because Raiders were – I mean, they weren't great last year in, in, by any means, but they do have some young guys like Abrams and guys like that, I think, that are upcoming stars actually in this league. And obviously the Chargers and, and Denver – Denver obviously always has had a good defense for years. I still think they're going to be a solid defense, but the Chargers defense is going to be, I think, elite this next season. Um, if not, they weren't already last year for the most part. Um, as far as the uh, uh, um, Herbert and, and Terod Taylor, I think they're both upgrades on Phillip Rivers. I don't think how you, you can get much worse than what Phillip Rivers was last year. He literally was lo- single-handedly losing them games. They have a great roster. There's no reason they should have lost as many games as they did by the single-handedly by Phillip Rivers a lot, and especially the two against us. Um, he gave a, one of those games away to us, if we're being you know frank here, um, because that defense was keeping them in there. He kept finding ways to lose the game. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Herbert as far as his intangibles, if what I think he's going to be as far as a, uh, you know, a, um, a franchise quarterback. Do I think at the top of my head, just from what I know about him right now, I don't know if he's a franchise guy. Um, I don't think so, if I have to judge right now. Uh, but like you said, with his inaccuracies, he's got, he's got talent. He's, he is mobile. But I definitely think that they should have took Tua. That was my – that's what I thought was going to happen. Um but as far as as far as, I think the Broncos might be the biggest threat as, just from looking at it right now because I think they have the best quarterback as far as you know as far as Drew Locke being as far as comparing the talent of the quarterback position I think he's probably got the most promise because uh, we've seen him in stints last year do it and I think he's got hell of receivers over there and he's got weapons he's got Philip Lindsay you know at the running back position and they're they're building a good O line he's got a really really good young uh, tight end over there uh, um, well I forget his name anyways. The Broncos are building a good team. The Chargers already have a really good defense, and if, if Herbert is, you know, a b- slightly above average quarterback, you know that's going to be some good competition for us. I don't believe in the Raiders whatsoever because I don't believe in their front office. I don't believe in their ownership. I don't believe in Gruden to really mold and shape a team. I think he might be able to get that defense improved, but as far as him molding and finding a quarterback and, and a quarterback that can, you can have the speedy receivers all you want. You can take the fastest receiver in the draft, but if you got quarterbacks that can't get the ball to him in the right spots or down the field and, and, and you know put it on the on the point, it doesn't matter, man. I mean, so, imagine having two, not one but two weak armed quarterbacks. Yeah, on and the I roster. mean, like again, again, like, again imagine that. Like again, you want to talk about L's? Yeah, and again, back, <laughs> to, my, back to my Raiders point. We've seen nothing but Andy Reid completely own the Raiders and get in, and, and get in, in Chucky's head. So I, I don't. To me, I don't flinch at all. The reason I say we should get a DB to combat those that, that talent it's just it's a common sense thing for me. Not that I'm nervous or scared of the, the offensive prowess that these guys have drafted and brought in. It's just a, more of a common sense type thing that we should you know kind of you know go tit for tat with them with their picks. So I'm not scared whatsoever. But I do think our, our division is definitely improving. I think it might be a fun year. I think the Chargers will be on our tail for most of the year. But I think we pull away in the end. Mm, nice. We got some hot takes uh, from Steve upstairs saying you guys are doing great. Thanks, Steve thank upstairs. You, thank we appreciate you. you. Chiefs need to trade up to get Bryce Hall from Virginia. Mm. I like it. And either trade Darwin Thompson or a third next year. Ooh. The thing about Darwin, though, is that I don't know if he yeah. really has any trade value, especially demand. with the fact that the Chiefs are so deep at running back that teams are going to know that. So it's going to be hard for them to convince a team to give up anything of value when they know that Darwin might get cut anyway. Um, the Chiefs' running back position is is interesting because, like I said, it's so it's so deep now, and that's a great problem to have. But with them only going to be keeping three or four running backs, you're going to have to end up deciding between probably Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson, and that's going to be. I think Darwin would probably win that battle. I think the Chiefs like him a lot more than Daryl. Daryl's a more replaceable running back, and quite frankly, neither one of them are going to play a lot outside of probably special teams, and Darwin's the better player on special teams by far. Yeah. So, um, 
Trading up, like I said, if they want to be aggressive, you think Bryce Hall's the guy, if you guys think that's the dude that you want to get out of Virginia, go and get him. Like I said, what is it going to cost the Chiefs at this point? Yeah. They're already the best team in the NFL. They already have the best coaching staff. They already have the best coach or uh, quarterback and player in the league. Mm-hmm. You're playing with house money. Go and do it. I'm cool. I'm just totally go get the it. guys you like. Just go get them. Yeah. Period. If you think if you think it's a guy that you want to just work with yeah. and see what he can give, you just do it. Yeah. Just go and do it, man. It, like, feels, it feels like we're talking about like because I'm a big fantasy guy, so it feels like I'm I'm drafting like fantasy. Like it's just <laughs> like a, like once you get in, anybody who's played fantasy, once you get into the later rounds you, and you see guys that you just like, you just start picking them. It doesn't matter the position. You just oh, fill gotcha. your roster and fill your bench with guys that you like and you think have high upside. That's what I think we should be doing at this point of the draft. What else you got for us, Eddie? All right, man. This this is my last question for you guys. My my, my second question: Will a Rod Aaron Rodgers pull a Brett Favre, or will he actually mentor J Lo Jordan Love? I am so glad you brought this up because we were having our debate last night with Trevor. Oh, Packers, dude. Look, <laughs> look. This is this is how I see it. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is still a top five to six, seven quarterback in the league to this day, even though he's had pretty mediocre seasons over the last couple of years and his, to his own standard. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has been done wrong by the Packers in some regard. They, they have never in his entire career, as the, as the starting quarterback of the Packers, taken a wide receiver or a running back in the first round. Not a single time. That was 15 years ago. That's absurd. When you have a quarterback, I mean, look what the Chiefs are doing with Patrick Mahomes. The only quarterback I could ever compare to Patrick Mahomes as far as talent in NFL history is Aaron Rodgers. Look how the Chiefs have continuously built around Aaron Rodgers with all the weapons. Weapons Patrick Mahomes doesn't even need. And they're still just throwing it to him. Hey, man, just take this extra one. Oh, shit, okay, cool. Make sure to like, handle all these, all these fucking weapons that Patrick Mahomes continues to get. Meanwhile, on the other side, Aaron Rodgers can't get shit. He lucked out with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Like it, it, It's just incredible to me how the Packers Offensively found a way to fuck this up. Now, having said that, you can't, go ba- you can't go back to the past. You can't change how they handled this situation. Now Aaron Rodgers is 36, going to be 37 years old this year, has an insanely heavy contract. They, go, they not only take a quarterback in the first round, they traded up for him. If that doesn't put the writing on the wall, I don't know what does. I know this upsets Trevor. I know he doesn't think this is possible. I am letting you guys know now so you can archive this video because I'm just so intelligent, you know? 2021 is going to be the last season Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers. Oh, it's not that I don't think it's possible. No, no, I, I think know. he should fucking leave now. I think, but that's the second point is I think that I think if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I say, you know what? Enough is enough. Yeah. I, I have carried this franchise. I have not only filled the shoes of Brett Favre, I've exceeded them. Yeah. I literally blew those fuckers out. Yeah. I'm the better quarterback. I'm the best quarterback you guys have ever had. I want to trade. I want the fuck out of Green Bay. I have outgrown this city. I have outperformed what you guys expected of me. It's time for me to move on and and be able. And, and now I don't know where that could end up becoming. I know that again, the the cap hit for the Packers would be insane for them if they tried to trade Aaron Rodgers. But they're the ones that made this situation what it is. They could have went and got him one of the top tier wide receivers. They could have gotten him a running back. They could have gotten him a, a toy, a weapon, something for him to utilize. Yeah. You saw how he got manhandled both time against the Niners last year. Help him out. You don't want to do that? Okay, then let him go. Because now you've now you've clearly shown him that Jordan Love is your future. So trade his ass. I hate to say it, but the team that makes the most sense for, for Aaron Rodgers is the fucking Patriots. Yep. The Patriots would be the perfect team for Aaron Rodgers right now at this point of his career. 
It really sucks to say that. Now, I know that Belichick is a, a... I think he has an alternative motive to get Trevor Lawrence next year in the draft. Colin Cowherd broke it down perfectly about acquiring picks and trading back even to next year's draft and trying to get up to Trevor Lawrence. But if the Patriots are trying to contend this season in 2020... They need to go and try to get Aaron Rodgers. They need to use some of those picks and go get Aaron Rodgers off their hands. Because right now, as it currently stands, Aaron Rodgers is a lame duck quarterback in Green Bay. Yeah, I'm not going to say much more from that because I'm going to touch on it a little bit a little later. Um, but oh, yeah, I wonder what segment that's going to be. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I to love say this. the least, anybody who's in our text feeds... Uh, a lot of expletives were coming from my, my, my end of the. the I feel like I was texting Samuel Jackson. It was so great, guys. I'm telling I, yeah, you. And, um, if anybody knows, if anybody plane. knows me personally, they know the love I've had for not only Brett Favre growing up, who was my favorite quarterback growing up, and then Aaron Rodgers just so happily to come, and he's my all-time favorite quarterback outside of obviously Patrick Mahomes when he becomes who he is, um, as he continues it, but. Yeah, it hurt my heart, man. I was pissed off. I was pissed off for him because I just couldn't believe. I was excited to see them possibly bring in, you know, another weapon just to see, you know, if they can add to, you know, something, you know, a 1B to the Devontae Adams because they have nothing over there. They have no tight end, nothing. They have a good they have a good couple running backs over there, but they need they need help, even defensively. If you would have took a, a good linebacker that was sitting there, something, because they obviously – Going against the the Niners, they got owned. The Niners had you know double digit leads both at uh, they had shut them out and had double digit leads both times they faced them last year, yeah. and that was their nemesis last year. They couldn't get over them. You know they won thirteen freaking games or one game from the Super Bowl last year, and you're not going to give them another weapon. Just it just doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'll touch on a little more. Could you imagine being Danny Patrick right now? <laughs> Like having to deal with what Aaron Rodgers is is probably saying and doing. Like I, oh, I, I, I like shout out to Danica. The anger bangs that are going. Like on. you are a horrible driver, but you're such a good girlfriend to be able to put up with what you're probably putting up with right now. Shout out to Danica. Uh, uh, hopefully she's like bench pressing him or something right now. You know what I mean? Jesus. Like just kind of you know getting the stress out. So so if uh, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded and is stuck in Green Bay for the next two years, do you think he'll be a, a pretty much a Brett Favre and that mentor mentor? Uh, Jordan Love. Look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and speculate on how Aaron Rodgers is going to handle it because, according to what he said on Pat McAfee's show before the draft yesterday, he stated that no matter who they draft, he's going to call them and welcome them to the franchise. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's going to. I do think, to a certain degree, Aaron Rodgers has been misunderstood or misrepresented rep, misrepresented by the. Um, media as a whole, I think that sometimes because of the fact that he's not the happy-go-lucky, yeah. play it by the rules all the time quarterback, that people automatically assume he's just he's some honest. pompous asshole. He's honest, man. He, not, I hate the idea that you have that every quarterback has to be the leader. That's just not how it goes. Some personality traits are just not like that. Some quarterbacks just have the talent, and other guys are leaders. That's just how it goes. Some other people just have those traits, and you gotta just you gotta roll with that. Not every not every story is like the the Hollywood you know quarterback who's leading the the way. That's not how it goes i mean kansas city yes but you know that's a different story but aaron Rodgers, i feel like is like trevor said he's been very honest he's been very candid he hasn't played the bullshit you know card of you know trying to pretend he's something he's not you know he's shown us who he is from the very beginning and i he's respect very self-aware that. That's what i appreciate it. i anticipate he's going to welcome in jordan love i anticipate he's going to sh- treat him with respect do i think he's going to give his full effort and, and showing and grooming him into becoming the starting quarterback hell no because to him it's still a competition <laughs> and until he's 36 he still has a lot of good game left him. yeah it's not like he's like like you said and until he's moved until he's traded if that end up ends up becoming the case he's got no choice yeah. now the scary part about that is we saw how it went with Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers got drafted 
they went from a playoff team that almost made the Super Bowl to going 4-12 and the next season after they drafted Aaron Rodgers. That was in Brett Favre's head. Yeah. Now, I do believe Aaron Rodgers is more mentally strong than Brett Favre. He's more of a cerebral guy. I mean, for Christ's sake, halfway through Brett Favre's career, he didn't even know what a nickel and dime uh, coverage was on the defensive it side. It could light a fire on Aaron Rodgers' ass. No, I definitely think that could happen. I, I think expect that to happen. One or two things are definitely going to happen. Either Aaron Rodgers says, fuck this, I'm gone, and he demands a trade, or he lets this motivate him, That's and he I shows, you guys yeah. fucked up, I'm going to show you guys why I'm still an MVP candidate in this league. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited as hell to see it, though. Same here, man. Well, that was it for me, guys. That, yeah. That's all the that's the questions I have for today. Hell yeah! All right, well, interesting. Again, we're gonna take a real small break, guys. When we get back, we're going to the Monday mailbag. This. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast, guys, for segment number four. I'm your host, Lance Woodle, here inside the KCPNN studios with Trevor Twidwell. That's good. And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Live at Arrowhead, of course. Of course. With our friends of the show, uh, Clark H. and uh, Brett Veach, we can say his name now. Um, we have a Monday mailbag that we do every single week. And for all of you that may be new to this, that are live streaming this right now, every single Monday we post a, uh, a, a chat, basically, a chat opportunity on our group where we give you the opportunity to basically take over for an entire segment. You give us whatever's on your mind in the sports world, whether it's a debate, a discussion, or just a general question, we give that to you, and then we obviously discuss it on the show. So that's what we do here, and if you would like to join us, do that every Monday. We'd love to hear from you. Eddie, uh, what, what is on the Monday mailbag? All right, week, man. man. Our first question, it comes from Marcel Denman. It says, So do you guys think that Michael Jordan was being loyal or selfish when he told the media that he – that he was not going to play for another coach because if if you truly love the game and have a passion for the game, it should not matter what coach you play for, who your teammates are, if you if you just love the game and love to play. So again, was he being selfish or was he being loyal? Some people are going to see it both ways. Just want your guys' take because after that 98 season, Michael still could have played, but because it was Phil's, Phil Jackson's last year, Michael decided to make it his. Thanks for the question, Marcel. I, I feel like I, I touched on that from my perspective in the last dance uh, segment, so I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm going to let Trevor kind of take the floor on that because I don't feel like he got to expand on that very much. Yeah, was he selfish? Absolutely not. If that's my star player, I want him to say those kinds of things because if you, abs- if you want to talk about loving the game, you want to win. And if you want to win, what gives you the best chance of winning? Sticking with the coach that's been winning, that knows the system, that knows your strengths, that knows your weaknesses, that knows – Every player on that team's strengths and weaknesses knows how to utilize those strengths and weaknesses. So if you're wanting to win, yeah, you shouldn't. At that time of his career, when he said those things, he had every right to voice his opinion because he earned that right. Um, and if he, like I said, he wants to continue to win, why should he? He should, you know, throw his weight around if he wants to keep, you know, get his way. Just like we've seen the other stars of, in, in, you know, in every era. Well, outside of maybe the early, you know, 50s, 60s, and all that, but. Once it became more of a stars league, which start, pretty much started with Jordan, 
I have every, I I agree with him. I don't think it's selfish at all. And, and if it is selfish, quote unquote, it's a good form of selfishness because that's what winning takes a lot of times. Not necessarily as, a, as, as, as on the court selfishness, but as far as selfishness and getting your way for the betterment of the team and betterment of winning overall. Because winning is all that matters, you know, and that's all that matters, obviously, to Jordan. So with him wanting to keep his coach around, keep the continuity of what worked, absolutely not is that selfishness. All right. Thanks for the question, Marcel. We really yeah, appreciate thank it, you, Thank you. All right, our next question is from Billy Hodge. Of course. Billy. Mr. Bill Hodge. Can't, Let's do it. Let's dance. It. It says, Eddie, you're the backbone of this podcast. I think the podcast ratings have went up since the Eddie Hour was who, introduced. Who gave Billy the access to our podcast hey, ratings? This is great. I'm loving it. You hear this, Clark? Yeah. How much you it's, pay, Eddie? <laughs> What's your Venmo, Billy? I'll outpay Eddie. I promise you that. Eddie's in school. <laughs> it, it says, here's my. It, we already talked a little bit about this. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, about the draft. So it says, here's my question. Since Lance was talking about how important running backs are, do, you, do the Chiefs go and get a veteran or run with the group we have since we have a QB like Mahomes? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the question might be a little outdated, but I understand where Billy's coming from in that regard. Uh, we discussed that with our guy Josh Webb uh, in Episode 60 regarding my my pushback on the idea that running backs aren't important as, a, as an entire position in today's NFL I uh, totally disagree with that because, like we've talked about even tonight, you saw the difference. Even though the, the Chiefs' offense was extremely effective without Kareem Hunt, you saw how simply unstoppable it was when they had Kareem Hunt. I mean, there were games where it looked like no matter what the defense did, it did not even matter. It was like they were standing still. The game I always go to is against the Browns in Cleveland in 2018. It just looked like easy work in that second half. Even against the Patriots, who you know they scheme better than anybody because they have 20 cameras on you at all times, whether it's during the season or not. Um, they, Kareem Hunt just ate them alive multiple times. Tyreek Hill ate them alive multiple times. It did not matter because this offense had such fluidity. And so the running back position is so pivotal, such a key role in any offense. It differs in, a, in value from team to team because, again, the quarterback position Definitely weighs heavy in most regards. But with the Panthers, like with Christian McCaffrey, they have a Teddy Bridgewater as a Patrick Mahomes, so therefore Christian McCaffrey is going to be much more important to the Panthers than he would be in here in Kansas City. Would he still be effective in Kansas City? Of course, because he's a superstar. Yeah, He would clearly still put up production. He would still still clearly do things that he's doing here doing in Carolina. But the position's value differs because of how much they, how much they determine the team's success by what they do. That's why. And so, to answer your question, Billy, I think the Chiefs have made the right decision. I think they made the right decision by saying, you know what, at 32, Patrick Queen and all the other guys that we liked fell, but they didn't fall to us. Let's take the best player at available at that time, and it clearly was CEH. Well, and the fact that the the pick was warranted and, and, and pinpoint picked by Mahomes himself, whatever Mahomes thinks he wants on the offense or on the team period, I'm rolling with it. That's that's all that matters to me. As long as because Mahomes, I think obviously would know before anyone of what on, on, what he needs on the field and within games and what support he needs. If that's the guy he chose by name, I'm with it, man. And I I, I think I think it, obviously the running back position depends on the, the dynamic of your team, whatever the build is. Because we've seen 
run-heavy teams that depend heavily on the run and win that way by rushing heavily and having good defenses because their quarterback play is subpar. And then we've seen other teams that have no running game, and and we've seen game uh, teams even with the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers, that had no running game for years and or just a revolving door with running backs and depending on Aaron Rodgers to constantly win them games. Constantly with their backs against the wall because they had no defense or running game. So Aaron Rodgers had to, you know, throw, you know, win every single game with his arm. We've seen that with Patrick Mahomes in his first year. So um, <laughs> it depends on the, the build and the dynamic of your team. Uh, um, um, having a good running game or at least a complimentary – having complimentary football is important. No matter what, which, which way you look at it, whether you have a good uh, uh, passing offense or a, uh, a heavily good rushing offense, it doesn't matter. It, as long as you're, you know – feeding each other and, and you know responding off of each other that's all that matters so i mean if this kid i obviously believe in the pick i think this kid's gonna work out um and if like i said if patrick mahomes wants it wants the guy and picked him i'm all for it and i think he's i think i think they made the right choice as much as i didn't like it initially initially a question i have since probably clark i'm, I'm assuming clark's still behind you eddie at arrowhead i believe so um, he's there when it yeah. comes to patrick choosing things like let's say you guys are having like an ice cream social and uh, Patrick Mahomes likes pralines, and you want Rocky Road. Where are you going, Clark? Uh, he seems going with whatever Patrick says. Okay, fair enough. That's, so. I like this. There's a consistency with the yes. franchise. I, I respect to Thank you, Clark, for answering my question for the Monday Mailbag. Back to you, Eddie. He appreciates you. All right, so. XOXO. Our next question comes from uh, Donnie Couch. He actually has Donnie. two. He has two questions and a little rant. I, I actually want to re- let him rant. Donnie's earned a, that. He has a little rant. Uh, but his first question is: this is Well, he says, "Hey guys, your local toothpaste enthusiast here. Supplies are down, <laughs> and more morale is low. But I'm still here. I have two questions for you. My first one is: Are you a Coke or a Pepsi guy, or are you a Dr Pepper loose cannon? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> let me ask. I'm going to answer that with a question, Donnie. Whatever drugs you're on, I want two of them. <laughs> Donnie, give me your plug. Yeah, I'm gonna go Doctor P- Doctor Pepper on that. I could, I can say I can too. Donnie, did you give Eddie something? God damn it, Eddie! Quarantine. Did, did you guys use like Grubhub or like yes. they send it to you like via? Pretty, Uber I guess Eats? so. Uber Jeez. Edibles is that they have that now? Is like Uber Edibles? Is that what's be, going on? That'd be great. Let's invest. <laughs> so okay, I mean, it's I'm gonna Pepsi Coke or Doctor Pepper. I don't, I don't drink soda. I, I I mean, maybe like a rum and coke. So let's go with Coke. Let's go Coke. Okay. I'll go Coke. Trev? I'm actually a Sprite guy about the pick. I like some oh, Jameson and Sprite. Nice. There we go. So nice. I don't like the dark sodas, but yeah, Jameson and Sprite is uh, my go-to. But like I said, I don't. And if it, and if it is Sprite, it's, it's you know sugar-free Sprite. So. Oh. <laughs> So cute. Watch my All right, Donnie Couch again. His second question. My second one is for the Honorable Mr. Lance Twitwell. And it's about his all-time Chiefs draft pick list. Say it again. Say it again. Honorable Mr. Lance Twitwell. I like that. That's fucked up. But the, only, the only problem I have with this list is that Kevin Ross was not in the seventh round all-time pick, but Dave Scott was. I'm surprised that you would pick Dave over the men, Kevin. Why did you do this, Mr. Twitwell? I'm curious. I mean, he wants answers. All right. Look, that, that was actually – I'm glad that was brought up. Uh, who, was the, who was the one that asked questions? Donnie, Donnie Couch. Donnie still? Okay, Donnie, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. I wasn't around when both these guys played the majority of their careers. Um, well, I was, I was around when Dave Zott was playing, but I was a baby. I, I was very – I didn't watch these guys play. Um, so I was going off the – the, the recommendation of men that have been around longer than I have that have watched the Chiefs, 
I asked uh, actually our guy Shaggy Shane about it. I said, who, who would you prefer? He actually said, I can't call it because both of them were very good and they played significantly different roles. Uh, Kevin Ross, I believe, was a def- defensive back, whereas Dave Zott was an offensive lineman. Um, I went with Zott because he actually played more recently, and I have a recency bias on it, I'll just admit, when it comes to sports, because sports continue to evolve, and I believe as time goes on, players get better, and if you're a starting player, especially on the offensive line in, in the 90s for the Chiefs, I feel like you had to have been pretty good. And you're exposed to more. Right, think. exactly. So, um, not it was no knock on Kevin Ross, because honestly, it was very tough, because I even think, uh, it, it, I don't know if it was Bobby Bell I think it might have been Bobby Bell that was drafted in the seventh round back in like 1960, 1961 or whatever it was. I couldn't do that because, again, the, the league has been so different. Not that Bobby Bell wasn't great, but he was great in his time. I don't know what Bobby would have been in the modern era. And Kevin Ross played long before Zot. So I stuck with Zot. Not, again, not knocking Ross and what he was because I'm sure he was fine. I'm sure he was a good player. But Zot played in the modern era, more in the modern era, and I had to go. I had to give him the nod. But it, it's crazy to think that the Chiefs had those kinds of players in the fucking seventh round. I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable to be able to say that you can find guys like that in the seventh round. That doesn't happen very often, man. All right, thank you, thank you. So uh, don't kill me, Donnie. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> right. And give me some toothpaste. <laughs> All right. So Donnie Couch goes on a little rant. Okay. And and it goes uh, for my last and final thing that I will comment on this post. I'll be going on a small rant about people who think this was a stupid draft pick, talking about that running back pick. All of you running backs don't matter, people on Twitter, and and people who think they know better than Andy Reid, shut the fuck up. It makes 100% logical sense to take the literal Marshall Falk of our offense and act like it was a bad pick. That includes you, PFF. So how about we just get over it and watch as the Chiefs grab Grant Delphit? They didn't. At pick 63, and then go and get a wide receiver and a linebacker because this fucking front office is better than you pathetic analytic people. I'm sorry, but it needs to be said. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. I like that. Uncomfortable medical clapping. (laughs) (laughs) Donnie, you're a hero, man. Congratulations. You you made it, my man. Uh, I got nothing to add to that. That was I, great. I literally have nothing to add to that. <laughs> you that should was, rant more often, Don. Yeah. Right. That's, that's great. It's you should great. rant more often. Make sure you brush your teeth, too, while you're at it. Yep. Okay. And then, oh, we have Billy Hodge again with the second question. Thanks for the question, Donnie. We appreciate appreciate the rant, bro. Uh, my second question is a spinoff from the local toothpaste enthusiasts. If Vich if built a Super Bowl team, why do people question his ability to keep this future dynasty team going? Because after one pick, people are having a cow. On the other hand, after 60-plus shows, Lance and Trevor are almost at the same level as Eddie. Keep up the great work. Boy, I need to know this relationship between you and Billy. Is he there with you at Arrowhead right now? This is great. Is he over there having caviar with Clark H.? I haven't seen him, but I hope he's here. I need to know. Billy, is he going to come behind the curtains? Billy, let me know what's going on here. William, William. (laughs) You You guys call each other by your Christian names? Are you Edward to, to, to William? Or after you guys club each other? Are you? Guys, are you or yeah, is he William to your Ed, Edward, or is it Eddie and Billy? You guys keep it cash. We keep it cash. Okay, you know. cool. That's what's up. Eddie Hodge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's taking the last name? I need to know. Is it going to be Billy or T? Hey, it depends who has Eddie the most. Hey, it depends. I think Eddie Hodge is better. I think Eddie Hodge is right. Hey, it depends who has the most money. So, uh, <laughs> also, it's going to be Eddie Hodge. It'll be Eddie Hodge for sure. Hyphenate that shit. <laughs> I don't even remember uh, what the question was. 
I think, I think it was a bullshit thing just to prop up. Penny. I think it was pain. He talks about being a toothpaste or bouncing off toothpaste and says, Donny Cow. Yeah, it says if each. Okay, okay, okay. So if if each built a Super Bowl team, why do people question his ability to keep this future dynasty team going? Because... Stop right there. Stop right there. This is why, and 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 I don't understand it now, but I did understand it six months ago. Because we didn't really know what Brett Veach was as a GM. We knew that he was Andy Reid's guy, but even things I brought up in previous shows, and I'm talking like even during this last season, we questioned, I questioned, rather, I'll put it on me, I questioned what Brett Veach was really bringing to the table along with guys like Steve Spagnuolo and, and Kafka and Eric Bieniemy. I had to question everybody that Andy Reid had around him because they were his guys. And I needed to know... Are they just your guys and that's it and that's why you have them around? It's just loyalty that keeps them here? Or is it they're your guys and they also happen to be really good at their jobs? That question has been answered since then. That's why I stopped questioning Andy Reid and his guys. That's why I stopped. I had questions about Andy Reid even going into the playoffs. I had to wonder, is Andy Reid going to be the guy that leads us to the promised land? Those questions have been answered with results. They won the Super Bowl, and Brett Veach deserves credit for that. And he has shown that time and time again over the last two drafts now. 2018 draft was shit. Let's just be real. Brett Veach absolutely took a dump in that draft, and it was horrible. They traded up for Speaks. For Breland Speaks, for Christ's sake. But since then, Brett Veach has been nails. And you got to give him credit for what credit, where credit is due. This guy has worked his way up from being just a small-time guy with the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid to now running this organization with with Andy Reid. He's bought tons of goodwill from my side, and I'm going to defend him now from here on out. Yeah, initially I think what we all – because none of us knew who, Brett, who the hell Brett Beach was before he got named GM. Uh, we knew, so, I know he's a friend of the show. Well, absolutely. Welcome on anytime. Um but we didn't even know anything about him. We knew he was a scout. We knew he had uh, – he's obviously been tied to Andy Reid his whole time being in the NFL. Um, but the thing that, that I – it's funny because the thing that I criticized him on initially was being just a pawn of Andy Reid's, and Andy Reid was really one that calling all the shots. But now I'm crediting him for the same thing because what he does is what a lot of other GMs are too prideful or, how, or too egotistic to do, uh, and that's listen to your head coach. That's listen to your players. That's listen to the defensive coordinators. You know, uh, 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 getting guys that they think fit their schemes. Talking to Andy Reid. You know, if you have a couple guys in, on the table that you want to, you know, c- cipher through and pick, and you know, let Andy Reid uh, give you his best opinion, then you make up your mind on what you want to go. That takes. Uh, that's what a real GM is supposed to do. Because we've seen so many GMs draft and pick up guys on free agency that they want selfishly that they think is better, or or one guy has off field issues and they don't want him just because they think he's a nuisance, even though he's the better fit. You know, Andy Reid, we've seen Andy Reid go for guys like that. And I'm sure him and Veach have had discussions with, you know, taking guys that have had off-field issues and bringing them in and just because they're a better fit and, and, and it went towards winning. So I think that benefits our team a lot. And that, I think that's his biggest strength now is the fact that he, as we saw, you know, bringing in guys like Pinnell and and, uh, and Okafor and, you know, and um, um, Agba, guys like that that were huge. I mean, I know they didn't last too long, but Pinnell was a huge addition, obviously, to winning a Super Bowl. Um, I'm glad we have him back. But guys like that, he listened to Spags because those are Spags-type guys, yeah. and it contributed to huge. So I think the fact that he's that guy now, he's working his way up, he's building a reputation as, as not only being aggressive in the draft, which I love, but now we're seeing it. He's kind of you know not aggressive this year. He's kind of taking the, the, the laid-back approach because we are already winners yeah. at this point. So yeah. him evolving, I think he's going to continue to evolve, and I'm already loving what I'm seeing. So. That, was, that was great. Um, we appreciate you, Eddie Hodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <fuck> you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Uh, so, 
I mean, I thought our boy Shea, uh, Shaggy Shane was going to post a question. He says, I'll ask my question on Friday after Chris Jones is traded or not. <laughs> but he never he never sent us a question. Oh, okay. what's, yeah. what, what's up with that? Well, here's the thing about the Chris Jones side of this conversation. Shaggy and I have been talking a lot off, still happen, yeah. off air and off social media. Um, the Dolphins still have a ton of picks that they can utilize. I, the, the thing about it for me, though, is, and it's something we've talked about already on several other episodes, it doesn't make sense for the Chiefs to trade Chris Jones at this point. Unless they knew they were going to get value for this season in particular, the 2020 season, what good does it do the Chiefs this time around if they're going to trade Chris Jones? Like, what, is it, what does it do for 2020 Chiefs, the 2020 Chiefs? It does nothing for them. Yeah. In fact, it actually it hurts them. You want to talk about these players we're bringing in through the draft that can only help the Chiefs? You lose a significant piece like Chris Jones, you're only going to be hurting yourself. That's like intentionally cutting uh, Kareem Hunt without any outside allegation. What sense was that make? Yeah, that's what? like that's just like trading Travis Kelsey just because you want to. Why? Yeah, please don't. What does it do? That what does what good does it do the team to get rid of a superstar talent at a key position? It doesn't. Now again, I've said from the beginning, if you can get a Khalil Mack type of hole, you take it. You go and get those multiple first-round picks, and you go and get cheaper cheaper guys at that same position. That's cool with me. I would be willing to have a conversation with that. But you're not getting that. And it's clear as day. The Chiefs couldn't get anything close. Otherwise, they would have been talking about it. We would have heard something. That's the point, though, is they're not. So just sit, sit pretty with Chris Jones for at least another year. I still expect they're going to get a three-year extension with Chris Jones. They're going to front-load the contract so they eat the guaranteed dollars quick, just like they're doing with Tyron Matthew and, and Tyreek Hill and Frank Clark. That's how you do it. That's how I think the Chiefs are going to attack it. And I think the way the draft has gone now, I understand they have till July to really get this thing in motion. But again, it does nothing for this team to try to repeat as Super Bowl champions to basically just get rid of Chris Jones. I understand that Shaggy still feels that way. I know he still believes that the Chiefs are going to trade him. I just don't see it. I don't see any realistic scenario in that and that actually happening. Well, I don't think it's good for either side. I don't think it's good for Chris Jones either because more than likely he's going to get traded to a lesser team. So his chances of being a winner more than likely will go out the window because the teams that are offering the most more than likely are losing franchises right now. and They're looking to upgrade at that position. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a lose lose for both sides to be honest. So, yep, yep. So, right, so, so thank you for the kind of question, Shaggy. Yeah, kind yeah, that, that kind of question. I was a little confused on that. Like we've also got a young Brett Beach behind Eddie. As well. Oh, what? Oh, so, is, so we got Clark H and Brett V hanging out in the hizzy. Of course, Eddie. I, I got to be honest with you, man. I don't know how you scored it. I don't. I really don't want to know how you got. Into I'm really Arrowhead. BFFs with uh, Clark. That's that's all I know. Of did Beach. Billy, Beach is kind of like that third wheel, you know. Yeah. So he's just hanging around. <laughs> Brett's just the odd man. Yeah, in he's the odd man out in this no, relationship. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's the odd man out. So. So thanks for the the appearances, guys. We really appreciate. It. I know this has been a busy couple of hours for you guys, but uh, we appreciate you taking the time to be friends of the show of the Spoken Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, but while we have them, if they want to, you know, kind of just sit back and enjoy the, the the our favorite segment of the night, guys. What is it called again? Hold this L. Hold this L, guys. We're gonna go. We're gonna jump right into it. I don't want to take a break. I, I feel motivated. I feel ready. I know you guys are ready to get these L's in place. Eddie Ortiz, I know, I, I'm assuming you have your L ready. You've been oh, hanging yes. out at Arrowhead all this damn time in the nice, sweet air conditioning. Oh, yes. Looking at the field behind you with the brass. Um, who is holding the L for one Eddie Ortiz this week? Man, I'm going to have to give it to the Green Bay Packers, man. For, for, the, for, the, simple fact, for the simple fact that they, they traded up 
to draft a quarterback when they, when like obviously they didn't need to. Yeah, there was no need for that uh, unless they're already thinking about moving on from Aaron Rodgers. But he still has, I think, two years left in his contract, two, three years left in his contract. Like, there's just no reason at all. Like, you could have waited for next year, try and trade up for, and get Trevor Lawrence maybe. Or wait till the year after that and get somebody else, you know? There was no no need for that. There was no – it was a waste of a pick. I know Aaron Rodgers did not like it because, if, if anything, he's a very, very honest person like uh, Trevor was saying. So – to me, that that pick is just complete, complete middle finger to to Aaron Rodgers. So, so that for me does that is enough to hold that L. So, Green Bay Packers, you're gonna have to hold, hold this L. L. Uh, Trevor Twidwell, who's uh, holding your L this week? Yeah, mine was originally gonna go to the similar situation, and you can dive into that. You can talk about the Packers being a game away from the Super Bowl last year, and the fact that the two best positional players they have on the Packers team is quarterback and running back. And the first two picks of the Packers draft is a quarterback and a running, running back. back. <laughs> uh, apparently, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, I'm just going to add to your point, you know, because I haven't yeah, left. You I was, topple, I was topple on. last night. Yeah, uh, I just don't get it, man. Um, yeah, uh, I, I like your L. That was a good one. I'm, I'm going to go – mine's similar. It's, it's, it's a team that's in our division. We touched on it a little bit earlier, kind of teasing it. But the Oakland Raiders, um, if you – Apparently, to them, they think they upgraded a quarterback on this offseason. You know, they got they went and got Marcus Mariota, who oh. I think is eventually going to start this sometime this season, whether Carr is hurt or not. Because um, I, I think they're, I, I believe really? they, they set up his contract with incentives. So I think they're going to want to see what he's he's capable of. If Derek Carr and, starts doing what Derek Carr does. I was going to say, last year, he was, he was, cold, he was you know? close to getting benched last season. Yeah, once it starts getting cold, you know, they <laughs> met, it's probably better to switch. Um, or just you know, just start Mariota when they come to KC. Maybe they're asking a meteorologist so that way they can decide. Uh, right. yeah. Is it, 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 it going to be Mariota day or is it Carr day? Is it above sixty? Yeah. Uh, Fifty-eight. <laughs> Shit. Damn what it. Do we do? Is there slight rain? I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah, the Raiders. They they had an opportunity here to draft a quarterback in the first round. I think they could have if they really really wanted to get better. I know I, I know they, yeah. I know there's a good chance they they win maybe three or four games this season, so they might have another chance next year. Um, <laughs> But they decided to go with the fastest, like I said, the fastest receiver uh, in the draft. Uh, they, they they go uh, corner. They reach on a corner, I believe, and then they got a running back. So they're, they're, they're compiling offensive weapons on an offense led by incompetent quarterback play. I just don't understand the calculation there. I, I, I would, it would make way more sense if they went quarterback first and then maybe grabbed a, quarter, uh, uh, a running back or a receiver after that. I know they needed uh, uh, defensive help still with corners. Um, but I just don't understand the. It just it just continues the incompetence of the Raiders franchise and, and Gruden's inability to draft. Um, and my, I know Mike Mayock is a trustworthy mind when it comes to draft. I'm just not seeing it honestly yet. I haven't seen it. I do like Mike Mayock. I respect him. Um, he's a well-spoken guy. He's very knowledgeable of talent. He knows how to how to identify it, obviously. But I just don't understand. We've seen it for years now. Derek Carr is not the guy. Mariota might be even less. I don't know. There's a, there's going to be a battle there. Who's worse? I'm not really sure. I and can't really say at this like point. Derek Did, Carr, Marcus Mariota, or death. Yeah, and yeah. Th- door this, number this, three. This was a year for the Raiders to to go out and get your franchise quarterback since you moved cities. This is what I'm saying. You're Derek, starting all brand new. Yeah, Derek I think it was Carr, time. Derek Carr has become a check down guy after he <laughs> since his injuries. He's been he's Mr. Oh, Flinch. Yeah. He's Mr. Flinch out there, you know. So 
he's he's checking. He's he's actually inaccurate with his checkdowns. Anyways, I mean he he has accurate numbers because he obviously checks down too much. But anyways, you get the fastest receiver to stretch the field with a quarterback that can't stretch the field uh, or make those throws. And so it's it's kind of mind bending to me to, to to I mean I'm glad they're within our division. I'm glad that we're going to be facing this incompetence. Um, cause it's going to continue for a while here. This is great. So I just wanted, yeah, I, I don't understand why they didn't go quarterback first, especially with quarterbacks that were available. Um, I don't care who it was. Just take a I shot. I tell at you what, man. But I yeah, so damn it. Uh, continue the incompetence within the division. I'm grateful for it, especially the Oakland Raiders. I have there's no more joy in my heart to shit on the Raiders on a yearly basis, um, especially coming off a Super Bowl win. It, it just it's guys, it's soothing to me. It's Suit for the soul. So, Raiders, Mayock, Gruden, Derek Carr, eventually. You guys are all going to have to do me a favor right now. And hold this L! Sorry for the delay on that one. Yeah. Imagine, imagine like what John Gruden was doing when he knew that they took the 8th ranked cornerback at eight, 19th overall. Dude, everybody was puzzled on Twitter. Everyone's like, what da- just Damon happened? Arnett, more like David Arquette. I mean, yeah. Are you kidding me? I never even heard his name. I thought he was like a third, gra- a third round grade. I immediately, I, I immediately texted Kent Swanson and Craig Stout when that happened. And all, they, all they had was laughing emojis. <laughs> they were just so happy that happened. Perfect, because they, yeah. It's not that Arnett's a bad player. No. It just it made no sense it in the top good. 20. Yeah, yeah. You could have got that dude in the third round. Like it, it was that bad, and and that's just Mayock has this weird way of, of going about uh, developing and scouting. I hope. I mean, I, I would say I, I hope it works out for him. It. it won't work out for him. Yeah, I said yeah. that I think Mayock gets fired in three years. I think he outsmarted himself on that. Pick. Yeah, it's it's just it's bad. And I was I was actually going to go with the Raiders on mine originally, but there's a quarterback that I feel like just kind of gets the 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 shit end of the stick every single time in his career. And I feel so bad for this guy. Imagine being drafted by that team, and within five years you get you get benched for Nathan Peterman, who threw five picks in a quarter. You got benched for that guy. Then you get I think he was released or or, or traded to the Browns. Uh, why are you doing my guy like this? And then within three weeks you get replaced for Baker Mayfield. You're then released again. Thinking you're going to get the job in L.A. with the Chargers. There's all these cam speculations because you guys take an Instagram picture together of working out together, and that starts to subside. People are thinking, oh, it's your team. And then they take a quarterback with their first overall pick of Justin Herbert, who is going to absolutely 100% replace your ass. I'm talking about one, don't call me Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. My guy is a good quarterback. He is. I like he truly is. He has like the, I think he has the greatest or the second greatest touchdown to interception ratio in NFL history got, besides Aaron Rodgers. Got great legs too. At this point, yeah. a, a solid athlete, a good clubhouse guy, great in the locker room, and again is capable of playing quarterback in this league. But he just has the shittiest luck imaginable. The guy's going to keep making money, so I'm not trying to sit here and say the guy, oh, poor me. The dude's going to have $25, $30 million in the account when he retires, but he can't ever sustain a starting job, and that is insanely weird to me that guys like Joe Flacco could start for almost an entire season and Tyrod Tyrod Taylor can't. It's beyond saddening. It's beyond depressing to see. still kind of funny. So do me a favor, Mr. Tyrod Taylor. Don't call me Tyrod because it is Tyrod, but he still gets Tyrod. That could be an L in itself. Do me a favor, my guy, and hold this down. Really appreciate you. I think he's going to start all this season, but... Incorrect. I think it's going to happen. 
Real quick before we get out of here, our guy Brandon Kylie at BK Sports, definitely give him a follow. He's an amazing guy on Twitter. Missing and man. he's been on our show before. Yeah. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, he put on here uh, two different charts in regards to Willie Gay Jr., the Chiefs 63rd overall pick, uh, inside linebacker for Mississippi State. Uh, he has a chart that compares uh, Willie Gay Jr. to all the linebackers in the draft. And then on the right side of this chart, it compares him to the safeties in the draft, believe it or not. Nice. And, and quoting BK, he says, This dude ran a 4.46.40 at 243 pounds. I'm not, I'm not the biggest on that, but that's fucking fast. An athlete here, yeah. He had a 136-inch broad jump, which is by far the best by a linebacker of the Combine since 2000. Wow. Guys, the Chiefs are stockpiling athletic freaks and superstar talent. So stoked we got a middle linebacker. Jeff. I'm not trying loving to this. I'm, yeah. Loving it. I'm not trying to overhype these picks, guys, because these dudes still have to prove themselves. He's the best of all time. But I'm here to let you know that Willie Gay Jr. is the goat. No, I'm, I'm letting you know that these guys are walking into these situations now. This, this is this is what I love it so much. Most of the time, when you get guys that are within the first 75 picks and they come into training camp, they have insane pressure on them because your team is in a building phase. Most teams. Every single year in the NFL are constantly building. The Chiefs are one of the few teams in NFL history that are not coming into a training camp trying to build. They're just trying to repeat. That's the difference between the Chiefs and a lot of other franchises because this is a unique situation with 90-plus percent of their team coming back. These guys are walking into this with no pressure. And what I mean by no pressure, I mean as little pressure as humanly possible for high draft picks. This is an incredible situation the Chiefs are in. I'm not trying to overhype it, fans. You guys already know this team is Super Bowl worthy. These additions are only taking them to the next level. What is the next level? Building a dynasty. These are dynasty moves. That's why you keep Chris Jones. That's why you get Brashad Breeland. That's why you keep Sammy Watkins. That's why you restructure LDT. That's why you take guys like CEH. That's why you take guys like Willie Gay Jr. Because these guys are building... A dynasty. They're going to be acquisitions that push you further along, and we'll be talking about them for years to come. Yeah. Don't be surprised when you see the statues outside of Arrowhead. That's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, guys. what I've seen on Twitter too about <laughs> Gay is um, that he's that he's he's a dog too. He has that he has that. So he's gonna. I think he's gonna fit right in with this locker room. You know, with, with uh, you know with Frank Shark Clark and Tyrone Matthew and Chris Jones, all these mouthy, loud mean and aggressive guys. I think he's going to fit right in, so I'm glad that we got another young stud middle linebacker like I wanted. A guy that's out there that's going to go crack and rattle some heads. That's what I wanted since the, since we've left since we lost the, you know, the the shell of what once was DJ before he went to the Raiders. <clears throat> but uh yeah, I've been wanting I've been we've been still missing, friend of the show. We've been missing that still. guy. We've been missing that guy and I'm hoping that this can become that. I'm stoked to see what he develops into, man. And and again, guys, I want to emphasize that this you should be absolutely excited. You yeah. should absolutely be excited. It's it's weird not looking at quarterbacks and, and envying them, but it's it this is this is what it is now, guys. When you have a franchise that's put in a position like they are right now, these are the these are the types of acquisitions you should absolutely be excited about. Even if it is Eddie Nalen, a first round pick of, of a running back, which I did not foresee coming. Oh shit. Even with a, again, inside linebacker. It is a need technically, but it is more of a luxury at this point for the Chiefs. An absolute athletic freak. And again, when Arrowhead Pride tells me it's a good move, I trust it. I'm going to continue to trust it. And we're really excited to see what the Chiefs do for the rest of this draft. So you guys, definitely let us know what your guys' thoughts are on these moves. What you guys have thought of of this so far. Hit up the Monday mailbag. And Eddie... 
before you leave Arrowhead, get me a fucking to-go plate, all right? I heard the food there's delicious. <laughs> I will. So I keep will. it up. Tell Clark H. and Brett Veach, friends of the show, we really appreciate their time hey, and their cameos. Go ahead, Eddie. Clark Clark said to just uh, watch out for the for the cheese uh, in, this, in this coming up pick. All right, all right. sounds good. Well, we, we're going to leave that alone. The Ravens are on the clock right now. We appreciate everybody who's been on the live stream, everybody that listens on the podcast. Guys, subscribe to Kansas City Podcast Network's YouTube channel. Follow on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Guys, this is this is the growing brand in Kansas City. I hope you're ready because we have a shit ton of great content providers. Not just sports either. We got lifestyle people. We got people that talk about just daily things. We have our guy Mad Marlin who talks about hip hop culture, politics, religion. It goes across the board. We have what you want and what you need, especially in times like this when you're trying to fill your day with something, when you're trying to keep your mind in a good place. If you're a sports fan, come hit us up. Come hit up Midwest Mike's. Tell if you, your friends. If you want, yeah, tell your friends. If you want to, if you want to talk about hip hop culture and religion and politics, hit up our dude Mad Marlin. If you want to talk about life and you want to do, you know, talk about the things that, that we see in every single in everyday life, pop culture, things of that nature, hit up Gutter Sluts, hit up Life's Okay. Those guys know what they're talking about. It's an absolute blast. And yes, the names are funny too. That's the best part about it. We're a bunch of dipshits having fun. We don't care. <laughs> so subscribe to Kansas City Podcast Network. Fake Ned. Can't forget the legend. That guy, the fake Nid Minute, is one of my most enjoyable things. I look forward to that every single time he posts one of those. And the dude's just a badass guy. One of the funniest dudes I know. And Gats Chats. I'm telling you guys, you'll love that. Her, The, the absurdity of her, her honesty is what I love the most. She is absolutely absurd. No, it's not because I'm seven feet away from her and she could throw something sharp at me. It's because she genuinely has the shit down. So we thank all of our guys in Kansas City Podcast Network, everybody that's joined us so far and will continue to join us. This has been fun. It's going to continue to be fun. I want to thank my guys, Trevor Twiddle and Eddie Ortiz, for joining us tonight for episode 61. And for Clay Windler, for Shaggy Shane, for all of our friends that join us every single week and contribute to this, we want to thank all of you guys as well. So until episode 62 is upon us, this is episode 61 shouting out saying, Lance Woodwell, we out of this bitch. See ya. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal. A safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller. I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.